Hello, everyone, and welcome to Weekly Manga Recap here on April the 21st of 2021. That's right. Put put away put away the pipe, guys. It's not it's not. I mean, if, if you do it regularly, then keep doing it. I'm not going to judge you or anything. But if you were just doing it for the one day, then it's not that day anymore. So mm-hmm. time stopped. It's Weekly Manga Recap time, guys. I'm here with Chris to talk about a lot, a lot of manga today. We have a uh, recommended series we're going to be going over, and then I think 16 weekly series, because we are in that weird period where we have a lot of... Uh, new series that we're covering right now and also it's our irregular series day so it doesn't help that we we kept three series from the last week or the last like uh new series batch as well so yes but i'm sure that uh probably two of them will end but we'll see how it goes but before we get into those uh we have a recommendation we want to talk about um our recommended series this week yes. is called Dear Sachan uh-huh. by Iori Saga. It's a series that was published on the Shueisha's uh, Manga Plus online service and was also simul-published on Manga Plus, uh, it, sorry, Jump Plus in Japan, Manga Plus over in English. Uh, it is about a boy named Kyo who is in a long-term relationship with a girlfriend that uh, he started dating in like junior high or high school. Uh, But when he goes away to university, he moves to Tokyo and she stays behind in their small podunk town. Uh, And so they start dating long distance and he almost immediately cheats on her. It's, it's pretty much the first person he meets in his new life. He decides to cheat on her with. (laughs) Yes. Uh, With a married woman named Shino who is his next door neighbor in, in his uh, new apartment. And the series follows uh, him uh, coming to terms with what he has done, uh, the fallout from this, uh, from a number of different ways. Uh, so, Chris, you were the one who took this recommendation, and I believe you said something uh, very specific that we had been told about it. Uh, so, I, I, I want to say this. Um I knew of this series only because, so we have a Discord server for Weekly Manga Recap, uh, and we have different channels for everything. So one channel is just for all the series we talk about on the recap, because that's an easy way for everybody who follows the show to just talk about those series. But then there's another channel for other series, and I follow some stuff that we don't talk about in the show, like on Dead Unlock and you know Jujutsu Kaisen, so I was like, I go to that channel relatively frequently. And it was almost a weekly occurrence. Seeing people get, I don't know when this, how, what the release schedule for this was, but every time a new chapter would come from, out. It was from July 2019 to October 2020. I just didn't know, I, I just meant how frequently it came. I can't remember if it was every oh, okay. week or every uh, other week or whatever. But every time a new chapter would come out, it, it was like uh, like a get together. Everyone would be like, new chapter, the dumpster fire is out, let's talk about it. And there would there would be shared tweets and like long discussions and everything was spoiler tagged. And it, it was, it was... It was girthy, Nick. That's the only way to describe gotcha. it. Girthy discussions every week about this series. Uh, and from it, I got the impression this was going to be a uh, true train wreck of a series. Because everybody said that kind of every week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will say that uh, when you said that, I was expecting this to be, I guess, worse than it was. Let me put it to you this way. The series is not good, um, in my opinion. 
but I would not describe it completely as a train wreck. Uh, however, I would say that if you like broke it down, um, if you, you know, boiled it and like separated it out all the pieces and everything, you would find a rich amount of train wreck ore within the series. Mm. Uh, but it's not the entirety of the series. There are some elements of the series that I think are legitimately good. Uh, however, it's very difficult to get behind any of the characters. And a lot of things in the series happen just because it's the most soap opera thing that can possibly happen at that time. And I think that that's probably why the group in our discord that you were talking about was drawn to it was, Oh my God, look at these fucking idiot people making these horrible decisions. And that's just kind of it. I think the manga is aware that the decisions that the characters make are bad, but not all the time. Yeah. Well, so let's, let's, let's start a little bit at the beginning of this series because from the first like 10 or so chapters, I actually thought the series was going to start living up to, to the hype around it a little bit because the first 10 chapters are essentially Kyo, the main character who continue. I think that's his name. I can't remember anyone's name except for him and Zachan, and I might be wrong on those. Uh, everyone else will just be referred to by their role within the story, uh, such as cheating wife and cuck husband and things of that nature. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, the start, the first like ten chapters are basically just Kyo over and over again sleeping with the wife. And the entire Dear Sachan level story, essentially, is these letters that he is supposed to be sending back and forth with his girlfriend. But all these ones are clearly, like, the fake ones he's not sending her. Because it'll always be like, Dear Sachan, I slept with her again today, and I forgot your birthday. And then it usually ends with, like, a reflection of whether or not he's a good person. And I wanted to see how far it would keep escalating to be like, Dear Sachan, I pushed your mother down the stairs last night. Am I a bad person? <laughs> like, it's always... <laughs> It becomes pretty ob it becomes obvious pretty quickly that the Dear Sachan thing is a narrative device. Uh it's his yeah, as you said, it's his self-reflection, but it is structured in the way yes. as if he is communicating to her, which he doesn't. Which a strong theme of the series is that communication is absolutely necessary to a good relationship. And uh, guys, as someone who is been in a long-term relationship before yes communication is one of the most essential goddamn things in the world uh making sure that you and your partner or partners uh all want you know the same things and are fulfilling each other in that way uh is very very crucial in order for you to be happy with your arrangement and the two i'm gonna say two uh, relationships that we see explored in this series, because there are other minor couples that are in the background among the side cast and stuff like that, both suffer heavily because they do not communicate with each other well at all. Um, and uh, the like, it's it's one thing when it's the main couple with Kyo and then Sachan, because I mean we'll get into all the weird things involving Kyo's personality, but the married couple, my God. Uh, <laughs> well, the because they're so much more normal, they're so much worse. <laughs> the married couple I enjoy because the end of the series 
they just outright say they're like, "Wow, we could have avoided a lot of drama if we just talked to each other." You're just if like, we had just talk to each other. You know, it's it's like that uh, moment where like, I I can't remember what series it is, but there's like a moment where like one of the characters has like stabbed the other and they're dying, and it's like we could have avoided all of this if we had just talked to each other or something <laughs> like that. It, yeah, I mean, it's 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 a weird uh, a weird mess of everything. So we've got Kyo who I think that the idea is that he's got some sort of psychological issue or mm. I mean, it's never really explicitly stated. This is kind of the thing that I think is the biggest failure of this series is it suggests reasons for why he is the way that he is but then doesn't really explore them. It just kind of throws them out there as an excuse for why he has done the thing that he has done, which is that he has slept with this married woman, Chino, um, because he does not feel as if he is capable of loving someone romantically. And so he's trying to go through the motions of a an intimate relationship in order to see if that causes him to spontaneously be capable of having the emotions necessary to have a mutually loving relationship. Uh, and of course it uh, doesn't, uh, but he's, you know, 19. When, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> how's he going to know that? But. I was going to say, I will give a little bit more credit to him in that we do find out for some flashbacks. He suffered a lot of emotional abuse as a child um, both of his parents were pretty neglectful. It's kind of weird. It's almost like an afterthought. The mother was like given like a scene to be like to show back up to be like, by the way, I'm a bad parent too, and then book it. But like yeah. the dad is very clearly like a, a a a very emotionally distant parent, and because of it, Kyo has grown up just emotionally stunted in pretty much every way to the point where the only reason he's in a relationship at all is because he's like, well, at least it'll. <laughs> It'll stop me from getting all these pe- all these girls just being like, he's cute. Maybe I'll ask him out. He's like, you know, fuck it. I'll just say yes to the next one, basically. And then maybe I'll figure out love. Yeah. Uh, it's so it starts off as just like he just cheats on his girlfriend, but it, it then eventually lays the explanation of why he did it. And you do. I do feel some sympathy for that, but it doesn't ever really address that issue that he's going through of why this is why he is this way it's just like oh well you know it, it's a self-fulfilling cycle and the two women in the foundational moments of his youth uh, walked out on his dad because his dad was apparently incapable of loving them and it's like yeah i understand that but that doesn't really excuse the fact that this guy betrayed the trust of someone that he cares about. And for some reason he doesn't understand that. Like that's not, not something that seems to ever really come up. Like, look, uh, if I had read this series a few years ago when I was a bit more close minded about the way the relationships are supposed to work, I would probably hate Kyo a lot more than I do. Uh, like I don't like him, but I don't like him specifically because he is not interesting to me. Uh, like, I think that this foundation for a character is potentially interesting. Like, he is incapable of having a fulfilling relationship at the start of the series. But then I don't think that the series properly explores why. 
and then, of course, does not properly explore why he no longer is that way, because a little bit more than halfway through the series, he finds that he is in love with Sachan now because she accepts all of him and no one in his life has ever accepted all of him before, which I don't know, seems like a very when he comes to that decision, it seems very arbitrary to me. I did not think that it really worked on the level it was trying to go for. But like the fact that he slept around is like not something that, you know, really pisses me off. It's just like, OK, yeah, he's like 19. He wanted to have sex and Sachi was Sachan was not ready for that. Fair enough as well. Uh, however, um, the fact that he betrayed her trust and lied to her about it and all that stuff is the thing that's bad. And God, poor Sachan. Like, I, I thought for a while that there were going to be no likable characters in this. She's kind. She's basically the only one, and she's not perfect. I would. I will say, but she's definitely the most likable character in this whole situation because <sighs> there's there's two wronged people in this whole situation because there's two people that are being cheated on. And one of them throws away his chance of being the sympathetic character, like just picks it up and chucks it, dunks it in the garbage. <laughs> it's amazing that he manages to do it. Yeah. He really, he really gets out of that with flying colors. Uh, I, I'll say this about Sachan too. I, I, I will agree. She's one of the, I don't want to call her likable. She's definitely the person I guess you root for. But she's one of the most uncomfortable to follow mm -hmm. because her story is all just about this very sad self-destruction for a very long time. And honestly, so look, I want to get right to the point on this series. It's not a good series. It's, it's just not. It's, but it's not the worst series either. No. I don't even think it's necessary. Like it, I will say this right now. Strong words to the moon. If Dear Sachan is in my worst three series at the end of the year, it is because we had the most spectacular year of recap series ever, like of recommendations. Like, it's the only way it's making it in there, because as of right now, I'm like, it's just, it was kind of whatever. But the part that details Sachan and Kyo's relationship is actually kind of interesting to me in the way that, like, just, to, like... It, I get exactly what I get on the fucking tin. When you look over, flip over the side of this box, it's like, Kyo is a young kid who doesn't understand how relationships are. He cheats on his girlfriend and then eventually decides he has to end things. But she doesn't know how to process that because she fully loved him. So she decides to forgive him despite him cheating. And then she has to come to eventually realize that she can't forgive him for that. And they just break up. If that's what it's, that's what it says on the back of this this fucking series box, you get that in spades. That's ultimately all I was looking for. So I was like, you know what? That part of it was kind of interesting. It's not a story I really wanted to read, but if it's a story told, it gets some of its points across, I suppose. Yeah, I think that you've gotten onto it. Like I, I I'm looking. I looked back really quickly over the series that we've covered this year. And yeah, if everything is at the level we've done, we're going to have a lot of duds, but we haven't had any horrible series yet this year. Uh, that's me knocking on wood. Uh, oh no, we're only a third through the year. Um, there are definitely a couple of moments in this series that did make me go, oh, that's that that does piss me off. Like, especially when you have like the side characters 
Um, so there's two primary side characters, I, w- I guess I would say, uh, that are close to Kyo that he doesn't have sex with um, in this series. So one of them is a girl that has a crush on him, Mizuzu. And she is, she's kind of positioned as Kyo's potential love interest, uh-huh. but like, honey, you can do better. <laughs> and apparently she does because they do not get together. Like he's kind of the person as things get worse and worse that he ends up confiding in more and more, but it never ever gets to the point where they seem to enter into a relationship. Um, there's like a time skip that happens towards the end. And it seems to suggest that Kyo probably did not date anyone uh, else he, other than... He, it, it mentions that he dated people, but never for yeah. any long period of time. Nothing that ever felt like another relationship, I suppose. So maybe she was stuck with him for a little bit, but she got out. Of- I, I don't even... I was going to say, I don't even think it would be that, because I think if the two... If they had been something, he would have probably made note of it. It sounds like after Sachin, he just drifted around, maybe dated occasional... Because it's like a 20-year like time skip, yeah. essentially. Um, so, and it sounds yeah. like the series had a lot of plans that were abandoned. There's a lot of side characters. You're like, this is going to be an important character, right? And then it doesn't. You're just like, oh, right, because the series was told to wrap things up. Mizuzu um, has history with Kyo because she actually went to the same school as him, but he doesn't recognize her now because it's not because she's changed her appearance because she changed her appearance after he didn't recognize her the first time. Uh, It seems to heavily suggest that Kyo has got something going on mentally uh, that makes him not connect with people. And that's probably why he did not recognize her. Um, one of the first things that happens with Mizuzu after she is introduced into the series is, uh, um, a guy nearly rapes her and that guy becomes a comic relief character, uh, in the series who is also one of Kyo's confidants. So that's not good. (laughs) I, so that character, it's, it's. It's a fucking horrible thing, but my mind can't connect it because the character, I don't remember his name, stupid dude, um, he's such a cartoonish character when he shows up because he's just like, hey, Q, isn't it fun to cheat on our girlfriends? Cheating's what we do, right? Because we're both cheaters. Cheaters che- cheaters never prosper except for us because that's what we are. We're cheaters. I know you deep down, you and me, Q, we're cheaters. And you're like... All right, like the devil on the shoulder, like just like grew six feet and is now hanging out with the rest of the cast guys. <laughs> I think someone made a mistake. Like I don't, I just couldn't take this character seriously. If somebody does, I'm like, yeah, I guess that's what he would do because this is the most evil incarnate character you could think of for this series. And to be like, to be real, like he makes amends, and I'm putting that in quotes uh, with Mizuzu after that point. He apologizes to her but he apologizes to her because he realizes after the fact that she is a virgin and he says oh if i had known that i never would have done that with you which um you can go to hell and burn uh like i i don't understand like it's it's very much just like immediately laughed off afterward like this dude does not even get punched 
like for what yeah. he did. I don't think there's a, a moment of any kind of karmic retribution for it. Like no. it's not even like, oh, he stubs his toe on the way home or something like that. He continues to uh, infidelity fuck his way around life for another like yeah. 15 years. And then it's then it's insinuate he eventually uh, has a happy relationship. <laughs> Yeah, one of the girls he was sleeping around with just, you know, uh, developed feelings for him and won him over. And that's it. Like it would have even if one of the many people he had slept with, what if he had like instead developed feelings for one of them? And she was like, no, like at least then something negative would have happened to this guy. But nothing bad ever happens to him. It is weird because, again, his entire character at the start of the series is just he is he's sort of like the the guilt like a physical manifestation of guilt for Kyo because he just he's yeah. the one who's like, hey, I know you're a cheater. Eventually, he's the one who has proof that Kyo is cheating on on Sachan. And he's there just be like, it's OK, man. Like, we're both cheaters. We know the kind of person we are. And then he never faces any repercussions no. of cheating at any point in time. No. <laughs> we don't even meet the girl. I don't think that he's actually in a relationship with, quote unquote, or but yeah, anyway. He's garbage. Mm. Uh, definitely drags the entire series down because, you know, it introduces this sexual or uh, assaulting person who just never faces consequences. Uh, so there's that whole thing going on. Mizuzu then pretty shortly afterward finds out that Kyo is cheating uh, on his girlfriend as well. And so she goes to his apartment to, like, confront him about it. And wouldn't you know it, Shino is in his apartment when she does this. <laughs> so she immediately, like, runs away over this because, like, yeah, I understand. But uh, so when Kyo goes after her, it's, like, raining when this happens. And she's telling him, you know, like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Why are, why, like, why are you treating your girlfriend like this? And she's also mad at him because she's still attracted to him. And so he's kind of betraying the ideal of him that she has in her head. But it doesn't matter. She's she's still calling him out on doing the bad thing. Mm-hmm. So he Kyo finally gets it through his head that like what he's doing is bad. But then once you know it, he slips and falls and winds up in the hospital. So clumsy me. He, it's it's yeah. it's a great scene, too, because it's just him like, I really need to end this. Whoop! Ah! Oh, I should oh, no, break up I with such consequences <laughs> for my action. Well, it's the shot of him like laying down on the ground after yeah. just suffering a concussion. He's like, I should break up with such. <laughs> so Sachin comes to visit him in the hospital. And while she's visiting him in the hospital, that's when he tells her, which is like, you manipulative fuck. You, she can't be mad at you when you're in the fuck you. <laughs> Like, he's not even thinking about that. He's very often depicted as just, like, not understanding social norms uh-huh. and, like, being very blunt with people. Like, he'll be flirty with girls and not realize he's being flirty with girls because he's just, like, complimenting them in a way that's, like, not appropriate. But then he's just, like, being very sincere and, you know, ignorant about it. But whatever. So he tells her about this and says, we should break up because I've been doing you wrong and also, I don't think I will ever be able to love you because there's something going on with me. And so, of course, Sachin is distraught over this. She leaves and goes and thinks about it and then comes back and says, I don't want to break up. I still want to be with you. And thus begins the very heartbreaking part of the series where Sachin tells him, you can sleep around with other girls if you want to. I just want you to come back to me and love me. 
it's like ooh, because you know that that's like that that's that's real. Like there are way too many people who have that mindset where they are so desperate for the relationship that they currently have and don't think that they can do any better that they will accept that kind of behavior from their mm. partner. Um, to Kyo's credit, he does sincerely apologize and break things off with Shino and rededicates himself to Sachan. However, that doesn't fix everything because once, you know, it's, it's that, you know, old adage, you know, trust is something that takes, you know, years to build up and an instance to lose. And he has lost Sachan's trust, even though she doesn't really want to admit it to herself. And her friends back home, especially like the guy that she eventually ends up with, um, you know, are talking to her and are like, hey, you know, you are not like looking so good and you seem like you're suffering from this. And I, and eventually her love interest uh, confronts her and says, I want you to know that, like, you know, it's not just down to you and Kyo. Like, you have other people in your life who care about you and will treat you well. And so you don't have to depend exclusively on that. And that seems to get through to her because she then goes to Kyo and says, we should break up. And by this point, Kyo has learned to love because Sachan had accepted him and accepted that he was a cheating bastard. And uh, despite that, was willing to be with him. But yeah, but you did her wrong. And she says something that is a little bit selfish, but is totally understandable, which is uh, she did not want him to tell her that he had cheated on her. She just wanted him to basically let that thought make him suffer through the rest of his life so that he would never hurt her again. Um, it's a bit of a weird thing and it's not really a thought that I can perfectly relate to, but you're allowed to be resentful. He did you wrong, you know, and mm. you're allowed to split things off from it with, from him because he did you wrong. And you know, you can end a relationship if you think it's not working for any reason. So Kyo is basically left to drift from this. However, now comes the strangest, weirdest part of this series, because just before Sachan breaks things off with Kyo, turns out that Shino's husband had installed listening devices in her apartment to spy on her. This was almost my favorite part of the series. Because they th well, here's the thing. So again, for the longest time, I was expecting like a real train wreck, and I don't think a lot of this stuff has been train wreck worthy. It's 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 melodramatic, of course, but like nothing has made me go what the fuck or oh my god or something like that. We get the thing. He eventually comes to um, wife and says, "Hey, I'm I'm faithful to Sachan now." I want us to to break up. I can't remember if it happened before or after he broke up with Sachin, but the idea basically being he ends it completely. And she's like, he tried to break up with her, but she stayed with him. And so he said to Shino that they needed to stop seeing each other. Yeah, basically, like they come to the agreement. We're not going to see each other anymore. And it's like, OK, well, that's done. And then like the last page is a shot of the husband, like looking at a computer screen and being like, oh, 
They're not going to have sex anymore. And I was like, if this has been one gigantic, elaborate cucking fetish that maybe no party knows about, I was... I was like, yes, let it go to fucking the moon with insanity in the last 10 minutes. Uh, but it doesn't. He's just, no. we, he, it's just a, he's spying on his wife because he assumes yeah. she's cheating. And yeah, honestly, I, that had never occurred to me. If that were the twist and like this one couple's cucking fetish drove this other young couple apart, that would have been such a weird <laughs> I was, I was, It was a brief moment. I was like, did it finally happen? Did we finally get to the core of this series? I'm like, no. No, no, no. no. <sighs> so, it's just going to be boring normal people problems. Really? So the husband confronts uh, Shino over this. And it's like, I know about, you know, you've been seeing this, this, this boy. Uh, and so Shino at first has a reaction of like, this is a really weird reaction that this guy is having. Does he even actually care that I cheated on him? Uh, but there's a whole thing beyond that that happens. <sighs> then he goes to Kyo. Mm-hmm. And... Chris, I had to do research about this because this seemed like the weirdest thing to me. He goes to Kyo and he demands consolation payment Mm. from him for sleeping with his wife. Now, I did research. Yeah, I did, too. I was like, what the fuck? What the fuck? (laughs) It's a real thing, apparently. It's a real thing, but not the way this manga Uh, uses it. So he goes to Kyo and he says, I want you to pay me 200,000, no, 2 million yen, which is $20,000 yeah. for sleeping with my wife. Now, consolation payments in matters of infidelity are a real thing because you can demand them as uh, damages for like psychological damage or for causing damage to the relationship. However, there's a legal process that you have to go through for them, and usually it has to do with the extramarital partner, the guy that was being cheated with, Mm -hmm. uh, having caused damage to the relationship, and usually deliberate damage to the relationship, as in, if Kyo had said to Shino, be with me instead of your husband, then that would be grounds for this. Kyo is a 20-year-old kid at this time. This man has come to him and demanded payment. He's basically just blackmailing him. It's like he basically hands him a contract and says, yeah, you know what? I'm going to go leaning on you. You just have to sign it. When Kyo is at his utmost guilty, basically, and he's just like, okay, and it, I guess it would be too much of a mess to actually involve lawyers in the series to be like, somebody be like, this shouldn't hold up. This is, this is fucking. So no, it happens no matter, like they start dealing with the replication or the, the, uh, repercussions, repercussions, sorry, uh, of their marriage kind of falling apart a little bit and actually like making up and everything like that. And they, I guess you could say, end up a stronger couple as a result. I mean, the biggest question should probably still be out there of just like, we probably should have communicated more, but they learned that message after they've ruined other people's lives. So it's all fine. 
So you'd think after that, you would be like, well, hey, mistakes made all around. Let bygones be bygones. They yeah. say that basically, and then they're like, so you can come by next week to start dropping all the payments, and you're like, he makes Kyo. What? He makes Kyo come to him monthly in person for four years to pay off this blackmail debt. <laughs> And they remain somewhat cordial as it happens. Like, not friends, but, like, you just, you, like, he'll show up at their house and, like, he knows their kid now and stuff. So, like, you're just like, yeah. what the fuck is this relationship? So, somehow, the most detestable person in this series, beyond the actual rapist or attempted rapist, is the guy who was wronged at the start of the series. Also, by the way, rich as shit already. Like, yes. he is a very wealthy man. He came from wealthy family, has a wealthy job. He does not need this money. It is solely a point of, like, power over Kyo, yes. who is a college student at this time, to right. basically be like, hey, you gotta pay this off, or who knows what'll happen. You're just like, alright, man, Jesus. Which... By the way, seemingly the only reason Kyo does this, aside from maybe just his own guilt, yeah. is to keep things hidden from his possibly abusive father. Because mm -hmm. it's not as if the guy keeps all this secret. Word gets out that Kyo's relationship has ended because he slept with a married woman who is suing him over this. And his relationship at school suffers it follows him around wherever he goes for his young adult life so he's being blackmailed to keep nothing secret yes <laughs> so that's messed up and uh of course also his girlfriend broke up with him which you know what he fucked around and found out that mm -hmm. is perfectly fine, but they the should not have remained together. That's that's a, that's a major point of the series is they should not have stayed together. Both of them were not right for each other, and no. he made a big mistake. And they spend an uncomfortable amount of time still together, and it's very sad. It's just meant to be a tragic story. When Sachin breaks off the relationship, it makes you feel like okay, she it took her too long, but she learned, and hopefully her life will be better. And then we get a. Uh, a time skip and it turns out she did mm -hmm. she had a fulfilling career and she has a loving husband and family now hooray she you know she found someone who was right for her kyo on the other hand kyo went to therapy right at some point no. right for his his many psychological issues and uh issues with women in general he definitely needs to work out right that was the first thing that no. happened right no kyo... they stopped making him pay those consultation payments and no. he, he was like you should use that money for therapy because you very clearly have issues you need to work out and then, uh, you know, here, I, this this firm that I work for, you can, you know, take advantage of the resources I have because we're good friends now. And uh, it's like, no, no, no. Uh, Kyo never got over the entire thing and basically decided that he should that he should never be with anyone ever again. Um, it's, it's bonkers when they tell you when he's like 20 years passed. I never got over Sachin. You're like. 20 years and you didn't get over her so he has literally spent more time n not trusting himself to be with anyone and not getting over this girl than he spent with her 
by a factor of like four. That he spent more time not being able to get over than he spent even alive up until the point where he met her. Like it's insane. He spent more than half of his life being like, ah, Sachin, dear Sachin, I still write letters. Yeah, he still uses that whole thing, you know, mentally sending her notes and stuff, even though like he's like apparently never spoken to her. Like they just I I have to think that it was on his end, too, that he just never got in touch with her because you it seems like I get the impression that Sacha would have been in a good enough place eventually that she would have been able to talk to him. But he just never talked to her about this. He never dates. Uh, well, he dates people, but he never is able to love anyone, which is especially sad because one of the things that we learn about his relationship with his mother, like one of the few words that she the, like the last thing that she spoke to him before she walked out on his dad was don't wind up like him. Mm-hmm. As in, don't wind up incapable of loving a woman. And Kyo doesn't sleep around in his adulthood anymore, but he's incapable of loving women or in, of loving, you know, anybody, anyone else. So he did not learn the lesson that he was supposed to learn for the entire series. And that's very sad. However, <laughs> now you'd think. Those of you who've read the series, you would think that this would have been the part of the series that I would be like, what the fuck over is like, no, actually, I'm right with you. I feel like it's compared to everything else. This was like, all right. (laughs) Uh, The final, the fuck, no, it's, it it is very fucked up, but the final chapter of this series is so cartoonishly like fucking elevated from everything else. I can't even process it as part of the series. It's almost as though someone said, what if we just did the dumbest thing we could think of on the way out? Like, Hey guys, we're losing the rent. uh, We're we're losing the the rent on this place. We have to move out. Let's just fucking take a sledgehammer to all the walls. Fuck it. It's going to be their problem now. And you're like, fucking, I can't even process how this chapter is going. So the, Second to last chapter is set like four years in the future, and the very last chapter is set 20 years in the future. So when it's four years in the future, you uh, um, Kyo comes to make his last consolation payment, and he we are introduced to Shino and her husband's two-year-old daughter. And <laughs> so the husband... Is like, isn't she great? She's cute. Look at Nachan. She's so cute, isn't she? And then he looks very directly at Kyo and says, don't try and, and do anything to her. So when I did research, a little bit of research to look up like the reputation that the series had, which, by the way, all over the place, people call it a train wreck. Like it's it's its reputation is known far and wide across the manga reading Internet. Uh, but someone on Reddit said, I kid you not. This man has, like, invited Kyo to do something, like, that he should have just never said anything. And he said, this person said it as a joke. And then they were right. (laughs) It's fucking, it is, it's phenomenal in every awful way possible. I, so, like. I heard people say, like, the final chapter is really bad. And just to set up, like, we we introduced the idea 20 years in the future, Kyo has still been unable to find any kind of love. It just cannot come to him. And he's, like, a businessman. He actually has a pretty good job at this point. He's, you know, in every other way, but his, like, his, his like, emotional life, he seems to be doing relatively well. Um, 
he sees a girl at like um i don't know like a food store food stand yeah 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 like a food truck and she's young and she starts flirting with him like she starts kind of like being like hey why don't we go out some time and he's like "Eh, i'm an old guy don't like whatever Mm -hmm. and she starts kind of and i was like uh is it that they're supposed to be like the big thing like oh they have a big age range difference or whatever Mm -hmm. so i was like you know what she's 18 i you know she can make i guess her own like i'm not gonna be like super upset about a giant age range difference if like everyone in the thing seems like they're capable of making their own decisions because eventually he does relent he's like all right fine i'll go and do that and then like they have like a relatively fine day you're like all right he'll find some measure of happiness she breaks through to him and she like she she finally gets him to open up a little bit after 20 years of unhappiness like all right you know something. what? He finally found someone who's right for him. Maybe they're not going to end up together, but you know, maybe this is at least some measure of people making each other a little bit less unpleasant in this world. Uh, and then it comes out that she's sixteen. Yes. And then it comes out that she's the daughter of the family that he's been paying consultation payments to or compensation. And you're just like, I'm sorry, fucking what? And he's okay with it. He's like, well, whatever may come. So, yeah. So she comes home one day and she it turns out she's been re- hiding her school uniform underneath her clothes. She's really in high school, not a university student like she said that she was. She's even younger than she said. She's, she's in high school and she's dating this nearly 40-year-old. And then she gives him a letter or something like that, you know, like a birthday letter kind of thing, whatever. And he looks at her name and he realizes, Oh, (laughs) this is the daughter of the woman that I slept with. And it, it, at first you kind of think that everything's going to like come crashing down around him. Like this is going to drive him even further into himself. But then he basically just goes, <laughs> make make lemons. <laughs> if life gives you lemons, you better make that sweet underage lemonade. You're like, what the fuck? This cannot be the ending message of this series. No, it's a happy ending. Come on, guys. <laughs> you cannot let this be the way this character's story ends. There has to be more. No, like, that's it. That's it. And again, like it's it's so insane it's so out of nowhere that it's 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 me saying like i can't even pro like i can't even fully comprehend it as part of the same series because it's just like in the last it, it would almost be like being like you know Torica was a good series i guess to a certain extent but they never explained the fucking space guns at all i hate this i was like look they just threw that out at the end i don't know why <laughs> But, like, I can't even connect the rest of the series to this moment. It's such a bananas fucking little bit. People in the chat are asking about, like, about bringing up the topic of her potentially being Kyo's daughter. She's not. Unless somehow Kyo and Shino were still sleeping together on the side after her husband knew about it. Because she's two years old, four years after they stopped seeing each other. There is no way that she is his kid. That is not even implied to be a possibility. Now, you, you basically have to like ignore the way things are set up and invent your own canon or for there that to be a possibility. So at least it's not that. But even so, he met her as well when she was like two and he was in his early 20s. 
And he is fully aware of that, of their dynamic. And then he's just okay with it when they start dating. So yeah, um, Kyo was, had some uh, issues that he uh, needed to confront from the very beginning of the series, uh, got in a lot of trouble because of what those you know issues kind of uh, motivated him to do and did not learn his lesson and never got help for them. And at least he's happy now. Uh, but that's kind of it. It's so it's bonkers. Now look, we're we're like we're forty bonkers. minutes into our recording. Move we, on. Yes, I I will say this: this is not a good series. This is this is not. It's just absolutely not. I don't even think it's the worst series you read this year, though. So in my mind, I can't recommend it. But at the same time. It's literally, it took me like three hours to read this series. Like, it's a super quick read. It didn't last particularly long. If you're into this kind of craziness, maybe you'll find it enjoyable. But, you know, at the same time, be aware of the content warnings of, of some sexual assault and just a lot of depressing stuff in the middle. Yeah. Like, those stuff will be in there. Um, it wasn't quite the dumpster fire I expected it to be, but it is still somewhat of a an interesting thing it's almost worth it just for the end chapter where you just sit there and you're like i can't even like what is this kind of thing but you know i i, I think it is uh uh i guess just a not good but not horrific series there are some good ideas in terms of when it explores unfulfilling relationships and the you know generally being just people not being right for each other and also bad communication uh, but there's a lot of stuff that I feel like a more competent mangaka would have, yes. you know, done a lot better involving very specifically Kyo, uh, and his reasons for, you know, doing the things that he did and having a lack of fulfillment the way that he does. So, and, uh, yeah, it just gets really crazy in a few areas and there's a few times where it's just really not okay. So overall bad series. Uh, but, um, Yeah. That's about it. We got to move on to other manga. Though. Yes, we so have uh, like rolling. 15 series or whatever. A lot. Yes. So we're going to kick things off by talking about My Hero Academia. Chapter number 309. Can't be a child anymore. So uh, to start things off, we have a couple other members of Ketsubutsu Academy whose names I'm never going to bother to remember. Although I do like Mr. Smith's design. He looks kind of interesting. But uh, they uh, see Deku uh, with uh, muscular in tow jumping through the air and stuff like that. Uh, Turtleneck girl gets Yo to uh, you know medical treatment. The old guys that were holding out in the uh, tower before are like, yeah, we don't want anyone dying. Uh, so we'll hear you guys out on that plan that you had for us to evacuate, I guess. Uh, Deku... Um, is described as having a totally different vibe. Was that really the same kid? He's just wearing a mask, dude. <laughs> He's edgy now, Nick. He's like, I can't stick around. I gotta get going. I imagine he does talk like that man from the Christian uh, Bale. He's like, I gotta get going. The Force Speed would shut up. I gotta get going. He's also apparently using his smoke screen to hide his identity because, like, whenever he shows up in front of people, he's just he's still got the smoke screen going, even though. He's not fighting anyone anymore. So I think that this is probably like he doesn't really want anyone to know where he is. So which seems like a bad idea, because if you wanted to find him, you should just follow the giant trail of smoke. 
Shh, no one knows he can do that. <laughs> so he drops off muscular with some with some police and then immediately leaves before they can you know talk to him about anything. Uh, then he gets on his handy dandy uh, cell phone and uh, signals to All Might that he's on his way back. He meets All Might in an alley. And All Might's wearing sunglasses with cool lenses that perfectly match the shape of his weird eyes. Uh, Deku lands in front of him and they kind of go over, like, you know, how he's, what his condition is. Uh, he, we also were introduced to some changes to his uh, hero costume. Uh, like, he's got some stuff that uh, support his arms so that he doesn't hurt himself as much anymore. But they won't, you know, actually work if he unleashes all of his power. Um, then, uh, All Might gets a call from Hawks, uh, Hawks is in another area where there is, like, another villain, um, and so Hawks is, is checking in on, De on how Deku is doing, uh, while they're having that call, Deku, uh, leaves, uh, and, uh, is off to, I guess, fight another villain or something like that. We get a flashback to... When Deku was in the hospital and Dr. Mario, <laughs> he's finally here. I was going to say, it, ha it has to be intentional at this point, right? It absolutely is. Doc we've had Dr. Yoshi, Dr. Toad, and now Dr. Mario. It is a billion percent uh, intentional. So um, he goes over Deku's condition. And of course, we get yet another. How is Deku's body doing now that he keeps on punching himself to death? So he says, in the past, it was as if the little explosions were contained in your body, but this time they made their way to the surface. I suppose you used your quirk to wrap and reinforce your limbs from the inside out to keep them from shattering. The injuries were similar in nature, but your body has changed since then. However, the de deterioration hasn't stopped, so do be careful. In other words, Deku's quirk is still making his body go kablooey, but his body is much better at resisting going kablooey, but not... All of it. He can still go kablooey if he keeps on getting too strong. So, uh, Inko, Midoriya's mom, is uh, upset about all this stuff. Uh, they let her in on the way that All for One, or One for All rather, works and why Deku's body can handle it. She is worried about her baby boy, you know, not having limbs by the time that this whole thing is over. Uh, but Deku explains, hey, Shigaraki can detect where I am. He can know my location. He could show up at any time uh, and we would not have any warning about it. And I don't want anyone else to get hurt. And he's thinking about every single person that got uh, hurt that is still alive uh, in the fight against Shigaraki and company. And uh, he also says if they reach full strength, things are going to get even worse. I have to stop Shigaraki and all for one before all that happens. And Inko says, well, you're in the hospital now because you couldn't beat them. And Deku's like, I'll get stronger. He he is shown and hear him roar. Yes. So, uh, but then he takes, they're holding hands, and he says, Mom, when you thanked me and smiled, you don't know how happy that made me, and that's why I have to go. And we get another flashback to when Deku was just a little kid playing hero, and, and Inko was playing, you know, the the girl that he would save, and, you know, how she was acting happy when he saved her and stuff. And Deku says, I've got to do that. You know, I've got to go and help people. But it's okay. I'll come home to you. 
she's crying. She she's very worried for her baby boy. Absolutely. So. It's a good page. Yes. It's a really wonderful like uh, split between like when they were embracing when he was a kid and when they're embracing now and how their dynamics have completely shifted since then. And also how many more goddamn scars he's got in his arms. So. Yeah. Uh, All Might remembers how, you know, he promised Inko that he would look after Deku and he says, look, I can't stop you from going, but I'm coming too, whether you like it or not. Uh. They pass this on to the top three heroes because they're kind of all in on this thing together now. Best genus answers the phone as if he's combing his hair with his with his phone. And Hawks thinks this is the coolest thing ever, which he's like, I should have a phone holding gimmick. Maybe I should be a clothes guy. (laughs) Can I do that? Can I hold my phone like this? (laughs) Do you have a trademark on that or can I just do it? Every time he does it, the person is like, "I really can't hear you." It sounds like your, it sounds like the receiver is up by your, your fucking bangs. Have you considered not having a uniform where the collar goes over your mouth because it makes you really difficult to understand? Uh, so. How would I make it look like a pair of pants then? <laughs> well, you would. Well, you got me just, there, just hangs up immediately. <laughs> You are not worth speaking to, clearly. <laughs> he destroys it. <laughs> he just throws his phone away every time he's done with the call. <laughs> so, um, they're all on the same page there. Before Deku leaves the hospital as well, he goes and speaks to Gran Torino. And he passes on uh, the message from Nana Shimura that uh, she wanted him to, which is nice. And so, Gran Torino says, I should have made the kill. I'm sorry. Don't be so rigid. Killing can be another way to save someone, which is dark, but also awesome. <laughs> like that's that's advice that Deku did not want to hear just there, <laughs> but it, he, he might need that someday. So, uh, and Gran Torino then um, gives him his scarf. And that's the scarf that Deku is now wearing as part of his dark and, gr- and edgy uh, costume. But it's a cool little, you know, hey, I'm your instructor. You're yeah. literally passing on the mantle thing. And uh, that's it. Uh, we are given this last panel where uh, all my Deku, Hawks, Endeavor, and Best Genius are all on the page together. And it says, team up, top three, and Deku and All Might. Uh, so... Nice little visual then that, that page is giving me some powerful uh team seven and team eight finally teaming up together energy where I'm like Man. is this actually an important thing or not? Well Shino is gonna <laughs> get his time to shine. I didn't get to go it'll... along with you guys in that mission, so I'm gonna do something great. Hey, you can, you can teleport through time or something like that. Anyway, let's go let's go home. <laughs> it's cold. Oh well. I'm hungry. <laughs> Look, we found them. Uh we said we were gonna find them. So <laughs> did it. Done and done. (laughs) It was a nice little chapter. Um, I liked getting the moments with, you know, the characters that Deku talked to. Um, And uh, I don't know about necessarily the the way that things kind of the order, the way things that happened. You know, we got the fight with muscular and then we went back again to the hospital, but it worked out, I guess. So. I, I can tell there's a there's a series you really want to talk Nick, about. Nick, can we talk about Boruto, please? 
Boruto That's number all I 57. want to talk about. Ada. Ada is, of course, the girl who, the woman who knows everything. Everything. Uh, according to Code. It turns out Code does not know anything about Ada, so. <laughs> He's like, yeah, it's, um, she's like a cyborg and 600 feet tall or something like that. They're like, Code, she's literally right in front of you. You know that's not correct. <laughs> no, I mean, when I can't see the bottom. Want... Her legs might be going down. <laughs> <laughs> they just go. <laughs> When you mentioned Code and Ada on Twitter, I literally went, who the fuck is Chris talking about? And then I was like, oh, Code, right. <laughs> there, was, there was a distinct moment when I read this chapter where I was like, okay, cool. We got like 15 minutes of the recap now already settled because there's no way I can get through this chapter without dunking all over Code's lame ass. So... Before we even get to that point, Bug mentions to to Code before they open up the pod that Ada is in. Uh, yeah, uh, you you know about her abilities, right? Well, she's she knows everything in the world. That's what I've heard. I mean, I know what you want her to do. Um, I don't know. Well, I don't know what you want her to do, but I don't think you know what she can do. And Code's like, well, then fucking tell me. Well. You can't force her to do what you want uh, because she's in a completely different class from everyone else. Oh, oh my God, this person has abilities way more than all of Kara that we've met thus far. Ooh. So Code's like, whatever. I've got straps that grow claws. <laughs> He's like, haven't you seen? I can teleport my hand through my stupid accessories. I'll be fine. Who cares what she could do? And he, I don't, I don't think that plan's going to work. Watch me as I solve every problem by throwing my big stupid straps at it. It's also really weird because he, he grows a claw and he slashes apart the pod, but also the claw marks he leaves behind grow straps in them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's how his power works. He creates uh, big, long straps every time he cuts anything. He says to he says, I'll ask her to do what I want, and if she defies me, I'll kill her. Ada comes out of the pod. Uh we cut over to a uh, a conference call. The Hokage <laughs> Zoom meeting. Basically, between Naruto and Shikamaru and the other four Kages. Chris, other Kage's names, go. Uh just uh, naming the actual titles? No, no, no. They're actual Oh, names. Gara, that's it. It's done. <laughs> <laughs> not right. Killer Bee's brother, I think, or yeah, cousin. So. I don't know. Uh, Dar- uh, Darui, uh, Kurotsuchi, and Chotro. Yeah, yeah. no, I wasn't going to get any of those. And uh, I got I Gara. No- to this day, I still have no idea why Chotro is, is is one of the Kages. He was so fucking lame before. He was just a guy who had one of the swords. <laughs> That's- but Nick, don't you remember the seven swords were a very important thing to the land of uh, the land of water or whatever? Sure. That's that's but... why two of them were relevant throughout the entire story. <laughs> and one uh... of them didn't do anything special. It was just Zabuza's sword. It was just Zabuza's and Kisame's sword. Those are the only two that did anything. Well, Shoujo had one of them. Yeah, well, I'd have to act like he's an important character, though, if that's what we're considering. No, it's definitely, it was just the two of them, yes. <laughs> Hell, fucking, um, what's his name? Sa, 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 mm? 
the guy who was in Hawk with Sasuke. Suigetsu. Oh yeah. Yeah. He he had one of them. Oh, okay. Yeah. I guess I guess that's a third one that was important. No, no, it was the same sword. Oh well, oh that's right. He just took Kasame's sword. That's right. Yeah, so never mind. It was just the two. And again, one was just a regular ass sword that Zabuza used. It had a hole in the side of it. That was it. It was a cool sword. It was a pretty dope sword, but it was just a sword, yeah. (laughs) Kisame's was a shark. What the (laughs) fuck? (laughs) I'm gonna be like, hey guys, we're handing out the cool swords for our cool new group. So yours devours chakra from people. It, every time you strike them, it takes a little bit more out of them and becomes this more living, breathing. Yours, you can do some kind of wacky decapitations. Actually, it's got a couple holes in it. I'm not gonna lie. Let me let me start with that. It's not full. I dropped it. I dropped it a couple times on the way here. But I think you're gonna be able to do some pretty creative stuff. Well, with is this. it like particularly resilient or anything? No, no, no. no a regular ass sword that's got chakra running through it will cut straight through it like butter. <laughs> well, well. Is it useful enough that I'll base my whole style around it? No, you actually, I think, use it more for standing on trees than anything else. Most of your fighting will involve you just going, mmm, and not swinging your sword. (laughs) Will I ever kill anyone with it? Absolutely not. In fact, you will kill several people, and it will be at a time where you do not have your sword at all. And because your arms will be broken, and you can't wield it. (laughs) Well, can I wield my sword in my teeth? No. You'll have a kunai. What? No one kills anyone with a kunai. Yes. But it's got a better chance of killing people than your sword. The sword probably could have. But again, there are holes in it that make it really hard to balance. So again, that's on our bad, though. But again, look, we put a lot of money into the first sword, which was the shark that devoured Chakra every time. And we just realized we didn't have a budget after that. So everyone else gets normal swords. Anyway. The Kages have the exact conversation you would expect them to have in the situation that, they, that they're in right now. They don't really say anything important until the very, very end of this conversation when Gara brings up that, hey, Boruto or Momoshiki could become an Ashiki level threat because of this transformation thing. If that happens, would you be able to kill your own son? And Naruto just pauses for a minute and he says, I'll do what needs to be done as Hokage. That's the last we see of the conversation. Uh, Amado has um, a locker now, I guess. <sighs> Whatever. Uh, he they, he talks with Naruto for a bit. Uh, Naruto does bring up that, yeah, I mean, the idea of my son turning into an Otsutsuki kind of sucks. Uh, but if that were to happen, I'd rather keep on not believing it until it actually happens. And Amado looks very contemplative for a second as he says, I used to have a daughter. I know how you feel. Okay. Uh, And uh, he says, she died 12 years ago. And then he pulls out a bottle that's got little black spheres in it. And he says, this is a drug I crafted with the aim of weakening a Byakugan's power. Uh, This was, you know... It was one of the many things I did to try and take down Jigen. Uh, the origin of Byakugan lies within Otsutsuki, so weakening the Byakugan might have the effect of curtailing the Otsutsukiification of Boruto cells. This series just used the word Otsutsukiification because. So I want I want to know what person like the the letterer and translator were like. I mean, I guess it's the only thing we could do is just fucking write out Otsutsukiification and we're just gonna have to, it's just a verb now we just had to we had to exist with that 
So uh, he says there might be side effects. Uh, his de- his decreased his vision might decrease. He could die, uh, and it's only going to stop the otosification. <laughs> chapter uh it's only going to stop the otosification temporarily it will not solve the fundamental problem so you need to consider all that before you make your decision on what would, to do about this it so, would so. stop the otosification temporarily yes but just the otosification <laughs> to see i'm not saying it right <laughs> i are you sure that you're the leader of a free country i guess osu Oats and soupification. I got it. I said all the words. What the fuck? Tell me the answer. <laughs> Give me those mur- sun murdery pills, goddammit. <laughs> no, all not right, until go- you say it right. Let's go over to the main event. <laughs> Ada steps out of the pod wearing something. Uh- <laughs> Honestly, I don't even care about like what's up top or whatever. It, it's the fact that it's yet again that she was placed in stasis wearing fucking eight inch ninja heels. It's it's just a thing that everyone, every female character has spontaneously decided to wear in this series. And I was like, imagine how fucking uncomfortable. I guess you're in stasis, so I guess you don't care. But like the idea of like being frozen in the most uncomfortable shoes possible. So she steps out. She's got one of Code's straps on her, and she just kind of, like, walks past them, and Code's like, hi, I'm Code. And she just ignores him, so he grows a claw from her strap, and is like, hey, don't ignore me. And so, and she says, I'll kill you if you decide not to talk with me. And Ada just looks at him and says, well, go ahead and do it if you try, if you can. And Code's like, all right. I can't move my hands. So Ada says, I wasn't ignoring you, Code. I've been asleep a long time, so I'm worried I have bad breath. It's such a stupid excuse for the scene. <laughs> like, I really wish she'd come out. She's like, look, I'll talk to you. I just first... It looks like somebody stuck a big stupid strap across my chest while I was sleeping, so I have to burn this whole outfit <laughs> and change. Or if you should just be like, oh, man, I, I'm sorry. Can't talk to anyone until I've had my morning cheese pizza. Yeah, like, a know, coffee a- or something. Yeah. I wish like, I had a morning cheese pizza routine like every day. <laughs> I'm like 6 a.m. like, burr, 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 hit the alarm, move over. I've just got a Domino's pizza say now. I'm just like, why am I like this? Ada commands Bug to guide Code to the bar because this secret winter science facility has a bar, (laughs) you know, for all the people who work All the entertaining they have to do. (laughs) You know, those guys outside had to have been fucking ecstatic. They're like, look, man, I... I don't like this job. It's kind of weird. We guard some like super powerful like god woman or something like that. And we just like we keep her frozen all the time and no one visits us. But it is pretty sweet that we do have a bar. At least we got that speakeasy, man. (laughs) So code unperturbed by the fact that this woman 
made him completely unable to raise a literal finger against her, says to Bug, yeah, I guess what I did wasn't so classy. Hey, Bug, what do you think? Is she interested in me? <laughs> I needed Bug to just be like, Code, I apologize. I feel like we haven't been giving you enough feedback. You're not cool looking. I do like you're covered. You look like you fell into a bin of accessories, and before you fell in, you were covered in glue, and you didn't shake anything off afterwards. It all just hardened. And I came out looking awesome. <laughs> He's like, yeah, yeah. So I look awesome. Why isn't she into me? Listen, <laughs> listen, bug. I guess that I should rephrase it. What do you think? Not, is she interested in me? But where on a scale from I'll need to do some work to she's actually putting on sexy lingerie literally right now? Do you think she is? like, Bug, do you think I should go with just the trilby or I have a trilby with a bunch of straps all over it and, a, and spurs on the side for some reason? And I feel or- like... What do you think's going to get her more excited? (laughs) Or do you think that I should just keep my usual outfit, but I should take my face strap and put a trilby on each of the (laughs) studs on my face strap? Each little little stud has a little hat on it, so I can tip them all at once. So what what do I lead in with this conversation with? Should I call her a dame first? Maybe maybe hot stuff. Hot stuff's the way you start to I'll get the girls real excited. Uh, so after we briefly cut to Ada to show that she, she is in fact brushing her teeth. <laughs> an actual she really was this like was I might have bad to breath. Get away from code. She literally needed felt that she had Bad morning breath and went to brush her teeth. <laughs> Which, I mean, if you're like, if she was in stasis, it makes you be like, so wait, should she be concerned with all of her bodily functions were going on? Or was it just like, I guess you woke up from a long nap and you're like, ah, my breath's kind of stinky or whatever. It's actually uh, like dove soap in part of the stasis fluid. So you just came out you know, all bacteria free. Oh, nice. Although, it, I mean, your eyes are just murdering you. So. Oh, yeah. They had to be killing her. Bug ex- explains to Code that the reason that he's into this girl is that she's stolen your heart with her ability. The reason you weren't able to attack her earlier, you're done for. And so Code just goes, that's incredible. <laughs> it's the lamest reaction. She's a god, essentially. Everyone around her falls sway to her whims. Interesting. So. So it's not that I'm super hot. Well, I so, guess we'll never know. Should I ask her to do anal on the first date? <laughs> do you think I should give her a matching face strap? So we could both look <laughs> stupid together. How do I, how do I broach the topic that I want her to go down on me, but I am not going to return the favor? <laughs> how do I cleanly slide that across the table? You should know a lot, Bug. You look like a guy who's never gone down on somebody in your life. He's like, fuck you, Code. <laughs> how do I explain to her that I'm not wearing a condom, but I will not be attracted to her if she gets pregnant? <laughs> 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 
<laughs> yeah, I don't explain that I'm not going to wear a condom, but I have really bad control as to whether when I'm going to orgasm, so it kind of surprises me. So who knows what time I'm getting in or out. Oops, stuck off on me again. Oh, hang on. Let me take care of this. Let me just put a strap over that. <laughs> How do I explain that sometimes when I have intercourse, I leave behind straps and flare on the body parts <laughs> I had sex with? <laughs> uh, how do I explain to her that... <laughs> If I'm doing it with someone who doesn't have a strap on their face, I get horribly repulsed. So unless she agrees to wear the strap, I'm just going to put a mirror in front of her. I'm going to staple a mirror on her face so I can see something cool when I'm fucking her. Look at all the straps. This is the best. Look at you with that strap on your face. You're so cool. You know what? You should get more rings. Yeah, I should get more rings. That would make me look a lot cooler. You just like, why are you talking to yourself? <laughs> Bugs just, he's just with a bottle, just draining the whole thing. He's like, God, I fucking, I hate this. This bar finally paid off, but I hate this kid so much. But he can kill me, so all I have to do is just listen to his innate bullshit. <laughs> this is like the ultimate, like, your boss is telling a bad joke thing. <laughs> Oh, God. All right, all right, all right, all right. So, turns out Ada has two types of magic. She has clairvoyance and then another Billy on top of that. Uh, Ada comes back at that moment while uh, Code is talking about this, and she says, yeah, it's actually not a good thing. Um, And she explains, let's say that there are security cameras all over the world, and you could access them whenever you wanted. Could you watch them all day? And she explains that, like, yeah, I can see everything. And occasionally I'll see something that I want to pay attention to. But most of the time I just kind of, like, block it out because it's boring and I don't really care. Um, And so Coates like, okay, well, did anything interesting happen recently? And she's like, yeah, Shiki died. Uh, And it was pretty pathetic. I'm sad that I can't, like, record what all the things that I see and show you. And then Ishiki's dead soul griped at you and went on for a while. And then, oh, poor you. You were tasked with so many things. So Code just goes, again, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. So she's proved that this ability, she has this ability now. uh Yeah. So. Go ahead. What are you saying? No, I don't even remember at this point. I just just want to continue on it. (laughs) So, but she says that she can only see the things that have happened while she has been alive. And then she, God, (sighs) Kishimoto is writing this series, you say. She says, don't even ask, (laughs) think of asking such a boorish thing as how many years into the past I can look. Uh, I didn't want to come up with an answer for it. So I had my character dismiss it as a dumb question. (laughs) <laughs> so then code asks if she can see the future she's like no it's not precognition it's it's just clairvoyance i can see current events in real time or pick scenes from the past but i did predict that you would come visit me <laughs> call it female intuition it's so dumb i so it's like she could have just acted like it was a surprise or something but there's like this weird like slightly gendered thing of just like oh well it's our female intuition and of course 
It was so boorish of me to threaten her at the start. Of course she needed to brush her teeth. She's a girl after all. You're just like, what? What weird shitty writing for this character right off the bat? You couldn't just be like, oh, well, I saw you on your way fucking here because I just decided no one else visits this random Arctic secret base. So, yeah. So she explains that what code needs right now in order to accomplish what he wants is to have his limiters removed. And the only person who can do that is Amato. And Amato uses iris recognition and a voice print command code to lock those limiters. So only he can do it. And also she doesn't know what the code word is. So code is immediately like, I mean, I'll just have someone perform a transformation to turn into him, which is like, Huh, that's actually, <laughs> you know, an interesting way of approaching the entire whole eye readout thing. And she says, no, that's not going to work because he's remodeled his eyes with scientific ninja tools, which if you transform into someone, I don't know how you, you know, perfectly replicate their retinas anyway, but whatever. He's found a workaround for that. And also they don't know the code phrase anyway. Uh, and she says the only other way to get around that would be to gouge out his eyeballs and take them with you, which codes to which code says, well, no one in the entirety of this world has ever done that. So <laughs> also, can we just acknowledge that every shot of code in this scene is him leaning on the bar with his head in his hands, thinking he's the hey. coolest person in the hey. world? Just yeah, like, cool. Yeah, you want to be with this? Yeah. You, you hate Amato too, so do I. We could have sex on this course. Oh my god. I'm not gonna take not. off my flare, but <laughs> Or my pants. <laughs> <laughs> got my spare straps in them. <laughs> you're gonna have to figure some things out. I just want us to bang and I don't do anything. <laughs> so Ada says that uh Amato's hiding, and this is probably why he's hiding from it. It's to hide from you. He's smart and a dreamy dandy. All right. Mm-hmm. But uh, she vows to kill him. And uh, Code's like, well, why do you hate Amato? Uh, is it because you re- he remodeled your body? And it just says, well, that's half of it, but it's not the main reason. And immediately Code's like, I don't know. This is a mystery that nobody can solve because I can't figure it out. And I'm the smartest person in the universe. <laughs> so. Uh, I want to go back just a quick second here. I was going to bring this up later because they explain her whole rules and everything. But earlier in the chapter, Amato reveals that he had a daughter. And at first, when I first read the chapter, I was like, that's kind of a unique detail to like throw in there and show he's like a broke man. But then other people brought up like, it's probably because Ada is his daughter. It's like, possible. Well, it's really weird if she describes her dad, her dad as a dreamy dandy. Now, maybe she, she doesn't, doesn't know that. She might yeah. not know, but that is still... A super uncomfortable scene in retrospect now. So uh, she looks at Code and says, you like me, right? And Code's like, oh, is this happening? Oh, oh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> she starts ripping his clothes off. <laughs> 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 Doesn't even wait to her to finish. He's like, he's like cutting off pieces of his body accidentally just trying to rip his shirt off. Oh, oh. says well yeah i do like you i've been crazy about you since earlier but at the can't same you time, tell by how emotive i've been <laughs> I'm so emotional about this right now but he says my feelings for you raise a question those emotions which seem so authentically real are they phony manufactured by your ability and ada says 
what does it does it really matter? And then she later reveals that it does matter a lot, yeah, which I don't know why she says this. It, so. She's like, it's actually one of the core concepts of my entire character yeah, is I, I feel lost because I can't it feel if any emotion I experience is true or not. So Code says, well, no, I'm not talking about myself. I want to know your abilities since we're going to work together. And Ada says, you know, nothing cold. That's why you're useless. <laughs> it's just like, He's like, huh. this character from kind of lame to, all right, I think that you're, there might be something here for you if you're just talking about how lame code is. He's like, now when you say useless, what you mean is very cool and that I should probably get a second eye tattoo for the other side, right? Because I've been thinking this side could be six and then the other side could be sex. But, you know, like this side is like a Roman numeral. And then in this one, I don't, I guess I would just tattoo a giant penis. That would look cool, right? <laughs> it would let you know how big my penis is, right? And not that's what you would think about it, right? <laughs> yeah. That's what you think when you see it, right? <laughs> not that I'm a real big lame loser, right? Because I've been thinking that's been on the back of my mind that everyone's saying that about me, but I, I, I just want to make sure nobody's thinking that, right? <laughs> so Ada explains everyone is captivated by me. Men and women, no matter what, do you get it? How absolutely boring and tedious that is. You're not the one who wants to most who most wants to know whether your feelings are real or not. It's me. Even people who might have naturally, genuinely come to like me, I'll never know their true hearts because my ability forcibly steals their hearts away. This is the right answer to my earlier question. Amato has robbed me of ordinary love. I can't forgive that. That's why I hate him. This is actually really interesting. Uh, it's like Boa Hancock, but way better. <laughs> Probably. I mean, there's also just uh, an uncomfortable level of how old is this character? Because she might be of age, which would make certain things here better, but then she also talks about how cute she thinks a bunch of 12-year-old boys are later in a chapter, yeah. or she's underage, and this is a horrifying thing. <laughs> I mean, as we've been going through it, there's a whole bunch of little things about her character that are like, what the hell is that? Yeah. I just want to say, this underlying motivation yeah. I do think is really good. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Bug, finally at that moment, starts to go, I'm going to leave now. <laughs> this is getting weird. <laughs> but then Code is like, are you, are, are you, do you have a stiffy for her? Do you want to do it with her? I'll fucking kill you. <laughs> and Bug's like, well, yeah, dude, yes, but it infects everyone. Just don't kill me. <laughs> like he's got one of his straps on his face over this. Like, God, Code sucks. So. Ada says, Bug is shy. He doesn't show how obsessed he is with me. And I think he's also scared. So it, that's, that's kind of it. So um, from here, Code figures out like, oh, I get it. This is why Boro didn't kill you. It's because he also fell in love with you. And she's like, yeah. I mean, but he and but he was also afraid of me, of my ability. So that's why he sealed her away, presumably. So uh, then Code gets the thought of like, well, wait a minute. Why did Jigen want you killed? Uh, how was he able to order you to how, how was he able to order you to be killed if he was infatuated with you? 
And she says, Jigan's an exception. I couldn't steal his heart. There are two types of hearts my ability can't steal. One is blood relatives. The other is Otsutsuki. Uh, so then she brings up, that by Kawaki is an Otsutsuki, right? And Code's like, no. I'm going to kill him. But uh, he thinks he's that, cool. I just, you know, just because he's got a cool undercut and everything, I get an undercut. But uh, you know what? I could just replace all my hair with straps. That'd be cool. That would show Kawaki <laughs> I'm the coolest character. Anyway, have sex with me. <laughs> I just so, want to get this out in the open. If you didn't have your ability, you would still find me super attractive and hot, right? She's like, no, I don't find you super attractive and hot right now. That's not, my ability doesn't work both ways. He's like, but if you didn't have, he's like, I don't think you understand how to, you know, fine. Yeah, I find you super hot. Whatever gets this conversation done. Uh, yes. Code basically convinces Ada to work with him. Because then she could play with cute boys who might become Otsutsuki one day, i.e. Kawaki and Boruto. And they kind of toast to working together from there. And that's where the chapter ends. So, uh, Ada got some weird problems with her character, written very weirdly in a number of different ways. But she's not code therefore a much better villain to, to join up with code so sure we'll see what happens it's such a weird character and like a bunch of people point out like a ability that doesn't seem to make sense in the world of naruto i've heard some people even theorize that this might have been a samurai 8 character that kishimoto was just like i like this character i'm putting it in this one now <laughs> um <laughs> but yeah uh we'll see how it goes i guess we have like 16 series left to talk about it and so i guess we had to just kind of rush through some stuff yes. kaiju number eight chapter 31 hey the big ass kaiju got blown up by mina's gun last time awesome it's down kafka is observing this and he is tearing up because he is like so proud of how strong uh the three top officers in their group are as three of them all pull each other to their feet and salute because they have won the day. And Kafka's like, I want to be in that circle one day too. He's you know, crying very passionately. And Ichikawa gets on their communicator and is like, you're making a really ugly face right now. And Kafka's like, how would you know? You can't see me right now. He's like, I, I, I know, I know you, I know you. So, but then he, you know, brings up like, Hey, look, things have only just begun. So let's do our best to catch up. And hey, nice. Uh, Hoshina turns to Kikaru and says, hey, you should, you know, get some rest while we uh, wipe out the rest of the Yoju. Mina's like, no, you rest too. You are clearly beaten the fuck up. So uh, he says, all right, I suppose I'll take you up on the offer. Of and there is a giant pulsating mass up in the sky above them. How did that get there? What the fuck is it? Uh if they so they identify it as a giant yoju bomb and Hoshino realizes that when the armored kaiju thing screeched earlier it wasn't a death rattle it was signaling this thing in the sky so mina starts issuing orders but Hoshino realizes that they don't have time if this thing falls it will take out everything on the base and then he hears hey human and the mouth kaiju thing its head is over on the ground and it says, looks like this game is a draw. 
which would have been a cool place to end the chapter, even though it's like only half done at this point. Yeah. But at that moment, Kafka comes dashing through and he is booking it. Hoshina calls out to him and is like, you can't, hey, you're not going to be able to do any good. Get back here. But then he realizes, wait, how is he so fast? He's only got 1% unleashed combat power. How can he move like that? And Kafka is just booking it. He dives off the ledge and he thinks about what you know, Hoshina had told him and what Mina had told him about the reliance that uh, the faith that Hoshina had placed in him. And he says, I'm sorry, Vice Captain Hoshina. And he goes kaiju. And uh, it seems as though Mina and Hoshina see this because uh, he just goes over a ledge and then suddenly kaiju and they're reacting in horrible shock. And uh, a kaiju has been detected. It's fortitude is 9.8. It's kaiju number eight. And Kafka in kaiju form is staring up at the pulsating mass and he starts yelling at it. And that's where our chapter ends. Uh, it's a very quick uh, sequence of events, but uh, hey, Kafka's secret might be out, and if it is, oof. Yeah, we'll we, see we what happens. So. We mentioned last time that we were like, I wonder if there must be like some kind of distraction going on with the rival kaiju that they're doing. We didn't seem to get any indication that's the case, so this feels like the appropriate thing to be like, okay, why was this a whole arc in general then? And it's like, okay, because Kafka's secret's going to be out now, yeah. which is a pretty cool thing. Or at the very least, out to uh, a select few people yeah. who can hopefully better keep his secret. So, so we've already Spy Family, Chapter 44. Hey, last time Yor was being called in for a hit. And she goes to meet uh, with uh, the person who is going to give her an assignment, who is called the shopkeeper. And he is this very odd-looking, dark-skinned man who is in a garden. He's got, like... I think that that's hair, but I'm not even sure, like coming out of a hat. Uh, and uh, he's just, you know, looks like a very peaceful kind of gardener guy. She's, you know, checking out the flowers that he's been growing and stuff. And she's, you know, they're being friendly with each other. And he attacks her with a pair of garden shears and she dodges immediately. Uh, and yours just goes, oh, you surprised me. Don't do that. <laughs> but he explains his actions by saying, I was worried that family life would have dulled your instincts, but I see they remain as honed as ever. I can assign you this client with confidence. And Yor says that she's ready to get started and to lay evildoers to rest. And she's got a big smile on her face about killing people because, okay. But the shopkeeper says Yor's job is to protect the client. He, he briefs her on this Gretcher family, uh, someone who, you know, has managed the country's underworld. Uh, but uh, the last, uh, you know, the head of the family and both sons were killed. So now the last surviving members are this mother and her young son. And she's being kept at a safe house right now, but needs to be transported. She's going to be going via sea. So she's going on a freaking cruise, basically. And Yor is being tasked going on that cruise in order to protect her. And uh, so she says, okay, well, uh, I'll need to make arrangements for my job and also I need to come up with an excuse to be away from my family for a few days. And the shopkeeper looks concerned for a minute, but then he says, okay, you don't need to worry about that. Your manager has come up with some plans and he'll fill you in on the details. I'm counting on you to do your part. And uh, so... That's it. Yor starts setting home. She runs into Yuri 
for reasons. Uh, <laughs> uh, the reason is after they have a brief conversation, she realizes like Yuri has his own job. He doesn't need me to take care of him anymore. So do I need to be a hit woman anymore? Do I need this money coming in? And so she's just kind of left to think about that. Uh, then we cut over to where Lloyd and Anya are. And, uh, <laughs> yay. <laughs> like, <that's, laughs> so there's a raffle. And what do you know? It top prize is going on a freaking cruise. So Anya <laughs> looks at this and she just goes, Papa, I am going to set sail on that boat into a world of adventure. She's got this very serious look on her face. So she goes to the route to uh, turn some raffle tickets. Turns out the whole thing is rigged. The guy who is like taking people's tickets and stuff has the top prize one hidden like in the lip at the top of the box so that no one will actually reach for it because he wants to go on a date with an employee of his, I think, so that they can, you know, mm-hmm. you know, go on vacation together. So they've got a race so that they can win it. But Anya reads his mind, knows where it is. Bloop, there it is. And so they're going to go on this cruise. Turns out they're going to also be going on a cruise on the same boat as your. Wow, how could this have happened? Uh, there's also a very cruel but make makes sense moment where uh, they're like, wow, we're going on a cruise. And Bond goes, Woof. And then Anya goes, you're not coming, Bond. <laughs> this, that's just it. Um, so Yor uh, realizes that they're going to be going together she of course thinks about this Anya reads her mind uh, and Anya has like a shoulder angel and shoulder devil like talking about this but then they both just immediately conclude that they want to go in the boat together so that they can see Yor go on a mission as well okay Lloyd says that he's got to talk to his handler to see if he can get some time off work. She's like, yeah, go ahead. Okay. There's like a whole thing that apparently is going on with, with, with her too, but it's not really focused on. They go to the train. It's a big, uh, go on the train to the boat. It's a big boat. Anya's very excited. Yor goes to meet with her clients and we kind of cut around to a bunch of very shady looking people to let us know that, Hey, there's a uh, here are the people whose whose asses are going to get kicked on this arc, and uh, that is it. That's the chapter until uh, a couple weeks from now. It's just just mostly set up. Uh, that's about it. So. Yep. Which one of those do you think is uh, Santa Claus, and then which one is actually the real Santa Claus? Uh, I am going to guess that the guy who's supposed to that who is supposedly Santa Claus is the uh, bearded guy by mm-hmm. himself. Uh, seems like the obvious choice. But the real one is actually one of the bugle players. Ooh, I like that. That's interesting. Kill everyone. Ah, decent chapter. All right, let's talk about Eden Zero, Nick, real quick. Chapter 140, Charge to Planet Nero 66. Um, this chapter is basically just about Laguna. We get like a start where uh, Laguna talks to the one the pompadour guy basically saying like, yeah, we don't like you, but we're not actually like, if we really wanted to kill you, we would have killed you. So it's not yeah. actually that bad. 
and they bring up the like Aluda asks about a particular princess, and mm-hmm. they say no, she went to rescue some troops and got caught, and sure killed her. Uh, her face was so beautiful we couldn't even tell who she was anymore. Clearly, they so set up that Lisana is going to be rejoining the yes. guild uh, at the end of this, basically. Yes, one hundred percent. Which is very disappointing to me because I was like, Luduguna does not give off a heterosexual vibe at all. But you know, whatever. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for some reason, I don't know why Weiss decides that this is the perfect opportunity to become the biggest fucking asshole on the planet like he's always kind of a dick but he just like ratchets up like his shitty personality to the extreme by immediately like being super he's like so you just using us because you want to like get back with uh get back at Nero and Laguna's like you guys came to me yeah. and the implication is like well, you would have come to us anyway, and you joined Draken's group just so Draken would take on Nero. It's like, there is nothing in the text to suggest that was going to be what happened. Draken was like a fucking gangster on a planet. Who, like, <laughs> that was uh, never going to Listen happen. here, I don't like you, so I'm inventing reasons to think you might be a baddie. Yeah, basically. And he gets really intense, but he gets like the big angry eyes. He's like, if you get, if any of us get killed in this fight, I'll kill you. It's like, fuck off, loser. Uh, there's a scene where Couchbow and Rebecca talk. Rebecca's like, hey, we're about to go into a big war, so now's your opportunity to get off the ship. And Couchbow decides to stay. And this could have been like a nice moment of like, hey, we're friends from the side of you that is nothing like what you're into here but you've shown me this thing that's essentially like a dream for me this magical kitchen you've been my friend i really care about you and i'm gonna stick with you instead it's just a joke how she's like i like food and i'll protect the kitchen yeah and you're like okay whatever um on i get to the weekly this page won't load for me uh we get to the plan a big space battle happens there's a moment where shiki sees all the explosions and he says they're all people they could have been friends but they're all killing each other. And it's a line that's so ridiculous. It can't, it, it has to be parody and hero just doesn't realize it or didn't find a way to execute it. It starts off pretty well because he's, he sees the battle and he's like, all those lights are explosions. Every time one goes off, do you think somebody dies? It's like, that's okay. You know, that's pretty cool. But then, yeah, he immediately goes like, they could have all been my friends. <laughs> Come on. Every, every light flickering off was a friend I will never meet now. And I'm like, <laughs> all right. Um, they just decide to get into the fight. Uh, the, they, they crash through. Basically, they find a way to break through like the blockade. And they're arriving on the planet. Uh, the chapter ends with Shora being like, oh, gravity's coming towards us. Must be Ziggy. Wait, no, it's not Ziggy. Who's this dark gravity? So the battle has, uh, for all intents and purposes, begun. It's an all right chapter. Um, I think the chapter's the, dog shit. <laughs> we've we've had much better interactions amongst the cast in times like this, but I'm glad we still had this this moment of like, hey, you know, this kind of stuff that we're going through before we just jump into this battle. Uh, I do definitely agree with you that like Weiss's motivations are really weird. Make no sense. And also, all the stuff where they where they have the conversation between Laguna and Ibaraki is really weird because Ibaraki's like, yeah, the boss had to, you know, uh, you know, had to say things in front of everyone that way. But then it turns out that Ibaraki's having this conversation where he can clearly be heard by everyone, too. So it's like, 
So is it just like an open secret that, yeah. about what's going on? Like, come on, it, you're just putting on a show for nobody, basically. I'm also not excited at the idea that Laguna's main motivation seems to be uh, like, oh, there's a girl out there I want to protect. It feels like that's the way we're going. And it's just like, I don't know, I feel like we've told that story in Heroes writing many times before. But I guess it gets another cute girl on the ship, which is all Hero really ultimately cares yeah. about. Also, we've completely skipped over uh, the name of the ship that is flying alongside the uh, Eden Zero. Oh, the main The main coon! Yeah. What the f- Why the main? Yeah, it's not like it's the scariest cat. Like, you would assume that you would have picked, like, the Jaguar or something like that. Not just, like, like the British shorthair. The tabby. <laughs> All right. New Jump series. Okay. Uh, We're going to start off with Blue Box. Number two, you have to go to Nationals. Uh, So it's our first look at how really like the ongoing plot of this series is going to go. Chinatsu has started living with, uh, oh gosh, what's his fucking name? Who cares? Uh, Who cares? Taiki. 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 Uh, Batman kid. He's... Not handling this living situation very well. Uh, he is a teenager, though. The dude so I will forgive him. is on the cusp of coming every time he sees. Like, he'll turn and he'll just be like, oh, my God, she's wearing socks. I can't. Like, I gotta, I gotta keep it together. <laughs> like, like she shows up and t- to tell him, hey, the bath is available. And she's wearing a long sleeve baggy shirt and sweatpants and he's like she's wearing loungewear oh my god (laughs) Um, and it's really weird because Shinatsu says like hey you know it was kind of weird but I was thinking like I'm really lucky that like I've got you know a situation where I can be at ease and you know we hey I'm finding out that like hey you're a guy who will let me borrow his copy of Shonen Jump and stuff. And I feel at ease being here. And it's like, that's really nice. She's like, thank you for welcoming into your home. And then Taiki is like, she was in the bath earlier naked. (laughs) So he puts all of this sexual energy into playing Batman really hard. As you do. I defy you to convince me that that's not what's going on. Um, so he's playing really passionately. And uh, so he's talking with his glasses friend about this situation. And uh, she, the, he says, hey, Shinatsu Senpai has got a lot of admirers. So if those guys find out that you're living together, then they'll kill you. And it's like, OK. If you, Taiki, and she, Shinatsu, are both OK with telling people about it, you can tell people about it. That's basically it. Like, I wouldn't go around telling, bragging to people that this girl is living with me if she was not okay with it. But if we're both okay with it, then whatever. Who cares? Like, fuck off. Yeah. It's all high school bullshit. Fuck off. Anyway, so uh, Taiki is talking with him while they're playing Batman together. And he's like, I've been thinking, I also want to go to Nationals this summer. And he's like, What the hell are you talking about? And he explains, If I don't do that, I'll never be a good match for her, which is a horrible way of thinking. You don't have to value yourself yeah. that way, but he's a teenager. He's stupid. It's okay. So uh, he explains all this, and the guy points out, like, I mean, you're a first-year high schooler, and you're saying you're going to go to nationals in an individual sport like badminton. How the hell is that going to happen? And he says, 
I mean, you're probably right, but I'm still free to strive for it. Good point. Yes. And uh, lady friend who told Taiki that Chinatsu was way out of his league comes by and mentions he really likes pushing himself beyond his limits. I mean, because of the Chinatsu thing and now this? Okay, whatever. Fine. So, uh, she also they also say, guys who are true to themselves are the toughest kind, no matter how, what they're going after. Whatever. Taiki is working out at home and not humping the ground with every single lunge that he does. Uh, Chinatsu comes by and uh, she's like, hey, what are you watching? And he's like, oh, yeah, I had someone record me playing badminton. And she's like, oh, I want to see it. And he's like, no, it's embarrassing. He's like, well, what's wrong? I'm always watching you in the gym, which Taiki's like, she watches me. Ooh. So with her eyes, she, those same eyes that are there sometimes when she's n- naked. <laughs> just, <laughs> those same eyes that are looking at me. <laughs> those eyes that have probably seen her when she's putting on pants in the morning. Like, t- probably, come on, kid. Not everything you need to turn sexual, right? Oh my god, her toenail clippings from her bare feet. <laughs> All right, uh, calm down. <laughs> oh my god, she's wearing clothes. Yeah, and those clothes are on her naked body. Okay, you've got to calm down. <laughs> my guy. So, uh, Chinatsu is impressed with Taiki's play by the fact that, you know, he's really flying around the court and he's like, no, 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 I'm still too slow. And I've got to, you know, be better at this. And, uh, you know, if at this trade, I'll never go to nationals. And he's like, oh, no, you weren't supposed to hear that. Forget that I said I was going to go to nationals. I was I wasn't planning on telling her now. But Chinatsu's like, well, hey, you just said it now. You said you're going to do it. So you're going to do it, right? He's like, yeah, I am going. And he's like, well, you're going to look lame in front of her. But instead, Chinatsu briefly walks out and comes back. And she's got a wish ribbon little ankle bracelet thing. And uh, she uh, is like, yeah, um, I made it when I decided to stay in Japan. A reminder to make my wish come true. But I thought, hey, you know, me can help you, too. So we'll each have one now. And so Taiki's like, okay, oh, oh, this anklet was on her. This this was on her bare ankle. Oh. So she ties it around his ankle and says, you make it to nationals, too. And now we match. So take good care of it. And then she wishes him good night. And Taiki says, I'll work so hard that this will break off. And then he's like, oh, no, I like her even more. <laughs> and then he's like, every time I get distracted, I'll do 30 more crunches. It's like, dude, just jack it. All right. <laughs> it's unhealthy to ignore it. OK. <laughs> um, I did like this chapter, although I'm making fun of it. I think that Jinatsu's sweet and I do like that their friendship is developing but Taiki stop being a creeper yeah. please I, I'll say that the series continues to be cute so far and not weird so uh, fingers crossed that continues to stay the same yes alright a new series coming to Shonen Jump Candy Flurry Chapter 1 Rainfall so I'm going to say flat up uh, from the beginning when I started reading this, I thought this is kind of stupid. And then around halfway through it, it won me over. So I, I was on board where six pages in, they were like, cause the, there's promo material for this. That's like, Hey, it's a world where like the world was destroyed by Katie users. And it's like, 
All right, it's a battle show based around candy. How do we get there? Uh, a toy, a candy company made a batch of candy that gave people superpowers, and then some people became super criminals, and Tokyo was destroyed. And that is page six of this, including a cover that's, page and everything else. And you're like, cool, we got it. That's the inciting everyone has quirks now incident. Just a candy company made a candy that gave people candy superpowers and that's it yeah. how it just did it's it's a comedy battle series so but it's basically presented as a battle series it's just that it's so absurd that that's where the comedy comes from it's the situation is the joke and the more seriously the situation is taken the funnier the joke is basically uh so our main character is a girl who um, loves sweets, including cream puffs. What is it with? Get your own thing. If there's a if there's a cream puff character in this series, they better fucking be mash. <laughs> like if there's someone with cream puff powers, he better have transferred over to the series. So her name is Sumugi. And uh, she claims that she's a normal high school girl who just really loves sweets. And so she kind of scores some free cream puffs by a guy who's like, this girl's cute here. Have a cream puff. And he's like, thank you. I'm going to go eat this. Uh, And uh, she goes off to eat it. And a candy user appears. And you can tell he's evil because he wears a black leather jacket and he's got long hair. Uh, And he randomly throws his donut at her just because. and she reacts by going sheesh and breaks out of the donut and summons her Zanpakuto lollipop and smashes him with it and beats him in one blow. And she says, no one really knows my secret. If anyone found out, there's no way I could keep on living my life. No one can ever know. Uh, and then her cream puff's been ruined and she's upset. Some random guys come into the alleyway and they're like, what the hell is going on here? And then a fork embeds itself into the wall. And we're introduced to our other main character of the series, Misaki Midori, a member of the Sweets Police, the Rissetti. And he beats up these poor random passersby because he thinks that they're the criminal sweets users and that the innocent looking schoolgirl is not. Why? Because he's an idiot. Mm-hmm. Can it? He's an idiot. So maybe because they shouldn't have hired a 16 year old to be the police uh, officer for this world. All cops are bastards, including idiot kids. So including uh, the candy cops, Nick, you thought with the name like that, you thought you could trust them. But all candy, cop, all candy cops are bastards. So. Uh, So Sumugi leaves. And uh, Misaki's like, oh, yeah, you know, it was my, my, it was, I'm glad to help out. But then he looks over the scene and he realizes that something is kind of amiss. But before we catch up on that, Sumugi is kind of walking to school and she's like, okay, I need to be careful. I mean, if people found out where I was, then I would have nowhere to go. And then I'd end up like this pig. And there's a pig in a cardboard box. And the pig goes, arf. Because it's actually a dog that looks like a pig. I, I didn't even so, pick up on that stupid joke originally. I, I, but she's like, I'm never going to end up like you. It's going to rain and you're, it's going to suck for you because you're going to be caught out in the rain. No one's going to solve your problem just because you're crying. 
And then it's like that uh that Katy Perry song where she sings about if you ever felt like a a pig that looks like a dog or a dog yeah, that looks sure. like have you ever felt like a dog but you look like a pig yeah <laughs> sitting in a box before the rain begins so she's like no one's gonna help you out pig just because you're whining about your situation but then it cuts to school a little bit later and someone's like hey I heard that it was gonna rain later didn't you bring an umbrella and she's like nah I forgot mine. It turns out she left the umbrella over the pig's uh, box so that it'd be protected from the rain because she is a good person because this is very quick little character building and I like it. So turns out Misaki is in her class and Sumugi's like, shit, this guy is joining my class and I've got to keep my secret from him. So she plays innocent, of course. He very immediately starts pulling the L act. Like he's literally like sitting behind her in class and saying things to be like, I think you might be L, you know, or, or you might be uh, Kira rather. So, um, she's like, oh, I'm going to keep on playing in a sand. Fuck you. You know? Um, so she realizes he's on to, he's on to her. Uh, she's upset about this. A, re- a guy, with a Pompadore comes to leave a, to confess his love for her. And a guy who's with him is like, this guy's been rejected 36 times. And he won't give. And I immediately thought, has he confessed to 36 different girls or her 36 times? And which is worse? <laughs> so, she is like, uh, he's like, Oh, you'll say yes. As a, but Misaki shows up and he says, isn't it obvious she doesn't want to go out with you? But he's at the other end of the hall and he's like, hold on, I'll come over there. And he starts walking over. And they're like, if you have something to say, say it to me. And he's like, well, it's dangerous to run in the hallways. So I walk instead of run in the halls. Because he's an idiot, but he's a stickler for rules. So uh, he kind of sends Mugi away. We learn more and more that Misaki is a freaking idiot he gets a he gets he refuses to actually fight the guy when he's going to fight him because he's like well yeah i'm a cop so i can't use my authority to threaten people so he just lets himself get beaten up then he gets a zero on their practice quiz and stuff uh so sumugi is kind of like takes pity on him and is like hey i can you know teach you some stuff um and but then and then she says hey let's take a break you know, I, I can give you some gummy since you're my new friend. Do you want some? But Misaki's like, no, I can't let my guard down until I'm sure you're not an illegal sweets user. Which, all right, that's just flat out say I'm suspicious of you, sure. Uh, but then he says, besides, I hate sweets. Uh, after all that's happened, I question anyone who can still stomach sweets. And he looks out the window at the giant lollipops that are making up part of Tokyo's skyline now. Uh, And he says, you know, especially lollipops. They stand out and are too big to eat. To which Sumugi, like, takes offense because it's like, you're supposed to break apart the lollipop in order to eat them. Duh, you idiot. That's fucking insane. I've never heard of a single person in my life breaking apart a lollipop to eat it. That's like some serial killer shit. I guess just the giant swirly ones, but I've also never heard of that. I've never so. eaten one of those to begin with because I'm not like a yeah. six-year-old boy in a play or something like that where you you have a giant lollipop in a sailor's outfit. In 12 years, I'll finish this. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to stick this candy full of slobber and then leave it in the dry air for things to fall into. Ugh. 
So uh, it's raining, of course. Samugi doesn't have an umbrella, but she goes to kind of check on the pig that she left the umbrella by. And she's like, oh, I guess someone took it and my umbrella. And then she's like, I'm lower than a pig. It's like, I mean, I don't know about that, but there's a shape looming behind her. Uh, Misaki gets an alert that a sweet user has uh, appeared. Uh, specifically, the one from this morning escaped. And he's like, how did that happen? Uh, and uh, it turns out that that donuts guy from before is like going berserk. His like body is covered in donuts and he's giant now. And he goes to attack Sumugi. And Samugi's like, I mean, I, I could use my powers, but uh, if I use them carelessly, I get, oh, fuck. Well, that, <laughs> You're why right. Is this, why is this happening? <laughs> so she, she thinks, if I use my powers again carelessly, then my identity could be exposed. And she flashes back to the day the lollipops rained down, and she saw the culprit behind the destruction. No two sweets users can have the same powers. But I saw another lollipop user that day. Ooh. That guy had caramel lollipops. I have peppermint lollipops. No, they look the exact same. Anyway, <laughs> uh, the donut guy is going to crush Sumugi, but Misaki appears and pushed her out of the way and takes the blow instead. And uh, so he's there to help her, but his arm is immediately busted up. Uh, and he's like, I'm fine. It's like, no, you're not. Uh, so she says, Hey, Samugi, you need to get to a safe place. And she says, why are you helping me? You think that I'm a legal sweets user. And she's, and Misaki just says, it's my duty. I don't choose who, who to help. And besides, and he flashes back to when he was a kid amidst all the destruction, distraught. He says, I don't want to see any more people suffering because of sweets. So get away from here. I've got to stop him before he gets to a busy intersection nearby. Uh, he deflects a blow from the donut guy. Sumugi is left to think, what What can I do? Like, if I if I try and help him, he'll know about my ability. But he's, she thinks about what Misaki said, and she's like, I keep thinking about myself. So she rushes up the stairs of the building, up to the roof, and she summons her lollipop club, and she's and she's like, I love lollipops. They're a special candy to me. After I'm done eating it, I look at the stick and feel a little sad. That's what you do with a lollipop, right? I mean, I don't know. Uh, I've never had that kind of lollipop before. But she says, it's not the devil's candy. And she comes flying from the top of the building with a giant lollipop club and smashes it into Donut Guy's face. It breaks into pieces. Shrapnel goes everywhere as he falls to the ground and Misaki just stares at Sumugi after she's done this. And he says, why'd you help me with your powers? You knew I'd find out. And Sumugi says, I wanted to show you that it's easier to eat a lollipop when you break it into pieces. He's like, but I'm not going to eat those because you just smashed the dude's face in with them. So like all sorts of shit could be all over yeah. it, like debris and, and donut chunks. It's going to be awful. Yeah. Also, uh, the aforementioned, I hate sweets. So. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, unflinchingly, Misaki summons his giant fork thing, and he says, you're the lollipop user, one of Rossetti's most wanted targets. You have my thanks for helping me. If you were a normal human, I think we could have been friends. But as a Rossetti agent, I have to arrest you. And so Tsumugi's like, 
look, I'm not the corporate who destroyed Tokyo, but I bet no one would believe me. It's okay if no one does, though. I've just always wanted to tell someone. And she says, those weren't my lollipops. To end the chapter as she summons her lollipop to face down against Misaki. So, yeah, by the end of this chapter, I was really into it because it's, uh, it's you know, very much just like a battle series with a really silly flavor to it and an occasional ridiculous joke. Uh, but I think that the sincerity is, is what really drives it. Like, even without the silly gimmick, I think that this would just be a pretty good battle series. The art's nice. The action is nice. So I'm looking forward to seeing what the hell comes from this. Yeah, so. I'm not quite as high on it as you are, but it did end up. I thought from the initial tease of it that this was going to be the dumbest thing ever. And the first chapter was better than that. So hopefully that's how it stays. Let's move on to the Elusive Samurai, Chapter 13, Infernal Ears, 1333. Very cool color page at the start of this uh, with a splash of presumably who the five elusive warriors or evasive warriors are going to be. Uh, so Genba and uh, uh, Tokiyuki have gotten the scroll, but they're being cornered in the little shack where it's being kept. They hear people outside. And so Genba's like, all right, well, uh, we've got to we're going to escape through the roof. Protecting you is not my job. So if you want to live, keep up. And so they go escaping off through the roof. Gimba uses some smoke bombs to buy them some time. But the superhero guy uh, can this is not affect his abilities. So he fires an arrow off. It catches Tokiyuki in the sleeve. Fortunately, it doesn't actually hurt him. Uh, and they manage to escape, escape over the wall from there. So they continue being pursued. Super Ear Guy uh, immediately figures out that uh, the cover that Ayako and Kojiro are running is a, is a diversion uh, because the two thieves did not actually escape to the horses that they can. They're now running away from them. So he's like, they've got to still be somewhere nearby, perhaps somewhere lurking in that grove. And he immediately goes right for where they're hiding. Uh and so Gimma thinks to himself, Ichikawa Sadamune is lackey. Those ears of his are a problem. My tricks rely on sight. They don't work on him. He's going to find us. So should I sell him out? No, that's not going to work. We both ran. They're going to lump me in with him. So I've kind of screwed up here. My option is to abandon him. I'll sneak away alone and that'll be it. But Tokiyuki realizes that Gimma's making a mistake. And he thinks, no, we're playing hide and seek right now. And if we move at this distance, it's just going to attract attention. And yeah, uh, Ichikawa comes bearing down on Genba and his ear has a mouth that's going, I found you, which looks really creepy. Pretty terrifying. And he, yeah. He swings his sword. Tokiyuki pushes Genba out of the way. Fortunately, a tree catches his sword, and so Tokyuki takes a blow to his back that spurts out blood, but he's not, you know, severed in half from the sword stroke. And uh, while Ichikawa's sword is stuck in the tree, uh, they make their getaway. Um, so Genma's like, hey, I tried to abandon you. Why'd you help me? But Tokyuki says, I wanted to apologize for doubting you before, and I can't do that if you're dead. 
I'm weak-willed and ungenerous, so I may doubt you again someday, but I swear I'll never betray you because it's more fun to flee with you. I can't escape strong demons alone, but with your skills I can, and that's exciting. Even if you're in big trouble, or you turn traitor, I will always flee by your side. Aw, friendly cowardice. So, Sadamune of this point has been alerted. Uh, so he has made his way over to the scene. He's trying to track down the two thieves, but he realizes, God, my night vision's not very good. Fortunately, Ichikawa jumps onto the horse behind him in a very deliberately homoerotic moment, which, honestly, like, I, at first I was like, is that the same guy? He looks very different. And I was like, oh, it's because his eyes are very are closed. That's all. Yeah. So, but um, he, uh, so they're like, okay, we're going to go slaughter those thieves together. They go chasing off after them. Uh, so they, they, the Tokiyuki and Gemba have nearly gotten away. But as Tokiyuki stumbles ahead, Gemba realizes, oh, geez, he's, He's got a lot of blood coming through his clothes right now. He's not going to be able to last much longer. An arrow comes flying from out of the dark. Tokiyuki has to duck to dodge it, and it, like, splits a tree in half as it goes flying by. And they realize, it's him. Sadamune's here. Uh, and Gemba's like, well, how did he? how is he so close to hitting us when he's 100 meters away and it's dark? But then we cut over to the horse, and... Ichikawa is wrapped around Sadamune's torso using his hearing to guide Sadamune's arrows, using Sadamune's superior archery and his hearing abilities to fire true. It's a really cool uh, little uh, shot, honestly. Yeah. Them, like, wrapped together and the sound waves coming in towards him. So Gemma's left to think what to do, and he realizes that Tokiyuki can't outrun the bow, uh, but he says, I could ignore a debt, I owe. They can't be seen, but a wound like that is all too obvious, so I must repay it. And he reaches into his clothes to grab something. Cool chapter. Yep. I'm looking forward to it. It's a good escalation of everything. I tell C. I actually don't have much to say about I tell C not this really. week. This was sort of a, a big letdown chapter. Well, because not a lot happens in it because it's just a setup chapter. Chapter 12, stay. We are introduced to an art thief. Also, we're introduced to another character because the series is not over yet, so we can introduce more characters. It's yeah. fine. It's fine. It's fine. Detective Homura, who has a crush on Sakon for some reason, and Sakon, who just... This weightlifting thing just keeps on getting more and more emphasis. He's got a barbell with him as he's eating. He's not lifting the barbell. It's just sitting on the table in front of him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, All well, right. he's lifting it, and his only meal right so far is a protein uh, bar, it looks like. Yes. So Also, they introduce a new cop whose entire gimmick is she waves her gun around, which, who boy, super bad timing for that. Well, it's always a bad time for that. Yes. Yes. So uh, then um, also Akiraka is there and he's following her around going like, do you like him? And she's like, go away. Because uh, she's jealous that Sakon has apparently picked Aoi over her. Ooh. Akiraka is there to talk to Sakon. Bitches, right, it. Nick? Yeah, women be jealous. <laughs> so 
I like uh, that this but, character has two things. One, she's jealous of other women, and two, she waves her gun in front of everybody with her finger on the trigger. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when they get to Eye Investigation Division, Ms. Aoi has a book on her head, and she says, Haven't I told you to tie up your shelf, Sakan? There is a book slide that nearly crushed me to death. Sakan says, Sorry, I'll weigh it down so it doesn't collapse next time. And he puts his barbell on top of the stack of books and papers. Why is this man so dumb? I don't know. It's the only joke in the chapter that made me laugh is they're like, oh, the books fell. He's like, oh, well, this will weigh the books down. They're like, no, the books are going to fall with the weight, you big dumb idiot. Why are you a cop? I don't understand. <laughs> then they talk about their next target, who is a phantom thief, Mar. It's very, it's the, the, the M is lowercase. So it's, it's weird. Uh, who, uh, steals paintings and then returns them days later defaced. And apparently he did this with the Mona Lisa, which seems like a very big deal. Uh, and there's a whole bunch of stuff about how, um, Sakon, um, is a pig who doesn't clean up after himself. Boop, ba doop, ba doo. They got a message from Mar about, uh, their plan to take, a certain piece of artwork. So they're trying to figure out what they should do. Uh, then um, when they're like, okay, so we're going to catch this guy. One, two, three, break. When they break, there's a fourth hand that's there too. It's the Phantom Thief, Mar. And they say, I heard the name Mar, so I came in. Your motivation impressed me. I came to return this. And it's the painting that was stolen the other day. And it's been defaced. And Mar goes, yes, because I am the Phantom Thief, Mar. And it's Sonya from the newest Pokemon game. Like Pretty a freaking much. dead ringer for her. Like, uh, so Sakan goes, no way. The thief's a woman. And Mar says, wrong. A beautiful woman. I mean, okay. So Sakan's like, why'd you come here? And why'd you come out of disguise? And Mar says, I couldn't wait any longer. I must have more stimulation. If I manage to escape from enemy territory, it'd be an absolutely beautiful display of entertainment, don't you think? My beautiful deviation value would skyrocket. All right. So then Aoi jumps into not Sonya's lap and says, caught you. And she says, if you're running away, why not steal me away while you're at it? And... Because Mar just licks her lips and goes, well, now. And she's like, I'd love to ruin a little lady like yourself. Shall I adorn you with some beauty noise? And I always like, I don't know what that is. <laughs> she's like, I mean, I mean, I'm going to draw a bunch of penises on your face. Because <laughs> that's apparently my stupid gimmick. So Sakan sees this going on and just goes, could you two cut that out? It's like, why? I mean, like, because they're being flirty or because she's a criminal. I mean, Sakan, she's right there. Leg Larry at her like you did the other guy. Oh, he's like, no, I, I wouldn't be strong enough. Be like, the only thing you do is lift weights. The only thing you do is physically improve yourself. Why are you not acting in this moment? <laughs> Like she was clearly distracted. Like she's literally done the whole I've cupped I've cupped your chin in order to for this to be a titillating scene thing. That's the moment when you go, 
and arrest her. She she turned in a stolen piece of artwork which she had defaced. He's 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 arrest too, her. He's too distraught by the revelation that this means Aoi's loving criminal thing is not exclusive to just heterosexual relationships. And he's like, oh, yeah, uh, women can be criminals too. Did you not know yeah, that? I don't know why he starts. He's like, Mar is a woman. You're just like, why is that a revelation to you? And you just know that Sakon is like the audience surrogate. So like, yes. you're supposed to think all this too. So a woman would never be able to figure out how to infiltrate a museum and steal a painting. That's yeah. insane. Like Ayawi does. <laughs> <laughs> Ms. Ayawi explicitly says, my body is yours for the taking. And Zakon's like, she's into girls too. Like, yes. Very. Yes. Yes. She jumped in her lap and there were, she had hearts for pupils again. Yes. She's into that too. She's criminal sexual, Zakon. That's why she's never going to bang you. So, because you're boring. So, um, Mar says, I suppose worshiping true beauty is human nature. But then she's like, well, don't you want to arrest me, though? And I was like, oh, yes, yes. But we'll make sure that you know, your prison has a nice view. Oh, that's nice. So they're still flirting. And then Mar says, I'm afraid I must pass on that offer. Here's a gift as apology. And immediately I was like, oh, wow, it's like a treasure chest. So pretty. What's inside? And it's glowing inside the little container. And Mar says, it's a bomb, of course. I want us to cut. Next chapter opens up. It's fucking Akaraki. And he's just like, and the bomb killed everybody except me. (laughs) So I told you, the journey wasn't very long. (laughs) The first, turns out the prologue was much, much longer than the first chapter. I, Investigation Division, case file number two, the beautiful phantom thief. We'll see how many case files we get. Okay. Indeed. So. Uh, all right. Magachan got a destruction. We're introduced to... Hey, remember when we were talking about how all of the guys in the series have to have their Pokemon or their Digimon? Yeah. Magachan got a destruction. Chapter 40, the teacher, who immediately is revealed to have his own Digimon partner. It turned so he's introduced as a teacher. He's very strict. He confiscates Magu when he finds Magu in Ruru's bag. Uh, but then it turns out that he is actually a follower of the Chaos Cult, and he actually specifically targeted Magu Manuaku for this because he's working for, uh, uh, you know, that kid. So then uh, when Ruru goes to pick up Magu after being worried about him all day. He's doing a weird dance of worship for the chaos god. He's doing the dance of destruction. And Ruru's like, oh, like the one you taught BS? No, not like that one. He's making weird noises while he does it. Uh, so he's dancing and dancing and dancing. And Magu is like, you know, it's pretty cool. He's dancing to worship me and he's giving me food. This is pretty great. So Ruru realizes, oh, no, Magu-chan might go with a wealthier owner instead of me. But then she tries to prove herself like, no, look, I can dance. I practice the dance with BS. And she says, I'm not going to hand over Magachan to a creep like you. So the teacher says, in order to see which of us can better demonstrate our devotion to Lord Magamanuaku, dance off. (laughs) Yep. So they have a dance off on the roof. And (laughs) I do like the reaction that, uh, Oh, gosh, what is his freaking name? 
Muscar. Muscar is watching this the whole time, and I love his reaction of like, maybe I picked the wrong person to do this. This was this was a big big mistake. They have a dance off. Uh, the teacher is very good at doing the dance of destruction. He moves so fast it looks like he's multiplying. Rue's like, oh no. I'm no match against his physical strength or intelligence. This is the only move I know, but I won't stand by and let Magu-chan be taken away from me. How can I win this dance-off? Wait, that's it. Magu-chan, dance with me. It's more fun when dancing together, Magu-chan. And so they start dancing around, and Magu's like, hmm, revel in the privilege of getting to dance with me. So that happens. Um... The teacher gets really pissed off and he says, I will dance with all my might. Ultimate technique, chaotic choreography, true darkness, galaxy, giant. And his spine cracks and he threw, he's thrown out his back. Muscar is still looking on all this and he's like, oh my God, I can't fucking believe this fucking happened. Uh, so Magu goes back with Ruru. Hooray. Uh, the teacher goes and is upset and apologizes to Muscar. Then he says, Let's dance together. And Muscar says, no, you're lame. And that's it. Uh, the, the, I do like that the teacher just goes back to class after that. And he's just like acting like nothing happened. And that's it. So, yeah, that was the chapter of Magu-chan got a destruction. There is um, there's a weird teacher at the school now. Hooray. Yep. It was an OK check. It's a thing. It was an OK thing. Nine Dragons Ball Parade. Chapter 10, the makings of a great shortstop. So, uh, Ayatsuji is doing very well. Kareen is like doing her own color commentary for her own sake. And Azuki is like, what are you doing? Are you, are you, is, uh, yeah, okay. Um, yes, we're doing well. Here's my analysis. And Kareen is like talking to no one and saying like, that wraps up our on-field report. Azuki is like, what's going on? Why did, why did I agree to play for this girl's school? I'm scared. I'm scared. We cut over to the other dugout. Glasses nerd shortstop Hokuto uh, has uh, just said that. Uh, oh gosh. Su ta su. Tsurugi's the third baseman. Tsubaki. Tsubaki. Sorry. <clears throat> has just said that Tsubaki is no shortstop. And uh, that this will be revealed shortly. So things are going well for for uh, Ayatsuji. Uh, however, we get to a point where Tsubaki, you know, manages to stop the ball as it's being as it's been, uh, when a grounder is hit uh, towards him, and they're like, "All right, yeah, that's one out that we're gonna get." But instead, he does a fancy behind the back pass. Uh, so they're like, "Oh man, if, if second place gets it, it'll be a double play." But then it's like, "Ah, he's not ready for it." So the second baseman can make the catch. Both runners end up safe instead of Subaki getting the one easy out because he tried to go for the double play. So he starts tearing into the second baseman over this. And he's like, well, you didn't give me any warning about it, though. Uh, so Azukita tries to calm everyone down. But then we get a part where uh, a blooper is hit towards uh, Surugi. And so he's like, OK, I got this. I got this. But Tsubaki gets in his way and just leaps into his path. And so because of that, there's a collision and neither of them catches it. And while they're yelling at each other, they're distracted and two runners make their way home. So now they're only up one run instead of three. So this is what uh, 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 Pokuto was talking about. 
He's like, you understand. This is the trouble with Subaki. He doesn't understand teamwork. And the coach is like, oh, yeah, now I remember what happened. And so he kind of thinks to himself that three years ago, there were these two promising shortstops that joined the team. There was Subaki, who was a genius, a top-notch player in terms of individual skill. Then there's Hokuto, not quite as good as Subaki in terms of individual skill, but he has seamless teamwork with Anan, his brother. And Subaki doesn't have awareness of the way that other people play their positions. So he's not good at the teamwork play. And then he gets frustrated. And then he, so he basically tried to convince him, you're not good at playing shortstop because you can't coordinate with your teammates. Be a pitcher. And Subaki threw his glove in his face. So that worked out well. Uh So Hokuto says a player who can't work with his teammates is no shortstop. So Sarugi's really pissed off about the way that this has all gone down. He starts to tear into Subaki and he's like, if you overstep your bounds, I'll pinch your ears. I mean, that's such a mild threat that he'll probably do it. So <laughs> watch out. You know? So, however, this really affects Subaki's mentality because now the pressure's on him and he's really nervous about overstepping his bounds. So a blooper gets hit to him and he just like lets it fall. He's like, Sarugi, you can catch it instead of defending his own territory. And uh, so the opposing manager is like, Subaki's defense ability comes from inborn talent and instinct. When you try and put him in a box, he collapses. He can't handle that. He can't play naturally anymore. Uh, Ryudo is observing all this and is like, well, this is a problem. <laughs> but uh, fortunately, Azu is like, okay, well, we need to end the inning. And Ryudo's like, yeah, but how do we do that? And Azu's like, <laughs> with your big, stupid fastball thing? Oh, oh right! <laughs> I'm a good pitcher. <laughs> so he strikes out the side and gets them out of a out of a of, out of a pinch. Uh, but Tsubaki is down in the dumps now. So he's really upset. And he's like, Azu yeah. says, "Hey, we've got to work on your teamwork." And Tsubaki's like, "I'm not good at teamwork." And Surugi says, "What? You were just supposed to accept that, though. You you just want to like." Lap, it's how someone chases it after the ball. And then when it comes to your weaknesses, you just are supposed to write them off and that's it. But Azukita starts to come to a revelation, uh, revelation about this. And he's like, you know, when there was a fly ball to third, why didn't you go for it that time? And Tsubaki says, well, that was different. I mean, then when I ran to Sarugi, the runner had left the base. And Azukita realizes that Tsubaki, whenever he does these plays, he's not just trying to show off. He's actually analyzing the best move that he can make in each situation to help the team and is just operating that way. It's just that he doesn't communicate with the team when he does this. So Azuki says to himself, how do we deal with this, though, if Subaki is playing this way? So he calls for a huddle and it's like, there's a problem on our defense and we need to change our strategy. Subaki, you're in charge of the infielders. And that's where we end the chapter. So this prevents, I think, a much more interesting challenge to overcome with Subaki than just like he's just a bratty player. It's mm-hmm. he's got a very particular way of looking at the game, and that makes it much more interesting. It's a different obstacle to kind of overcome. So. Yeah, uh, I do think it's interesting. The whole team's like, "All right, guys, let's gang around and hear what this catcher who just joined our team for one day says about our strategy." Yeah. <laughs> but I, I know other helpers. I know the notion is just like, look, we have to act like he's the leader of this team too. Uh, But good chapter.
Let's move on to Dr. Stone. Time to get stoned. Yes. Uh, We didn't forget about Chelsea and Luna. (laughs) They see the wave coming for them. Poor Luna. She tries. She, they, she realizes if we time it right, I can throw the thing in the air and then it'll come down on us and then we'll be freed from the petrification just like Sanku did. But she's panicking when she does it and she freaking throws it off the cliff. <laughs> Poor girl. So uh, she's like, yeah, I can't I can't do it while it's coming towards us. Uh, so, yeah, no, it's a no deal. Um, the wave, I think, actually might hit them before it reaches everyone else even. Because I think that they're on a cliff that's closer. No, no, they're on the opposite side. Never mind. I don't know. So, um, Zeno is watching this happen, and uh, he's just kind of like waxing poetic about what's going to happen. It's it's elegant. Uh, he says Senku and he could have owned the new world. Uh, then there's Stanley also on the ground. He's thinking like, you know, they've got that bottle poised on the tower. If I shoot it now then maybe it'll knock the fluid under one of our people. And if I do that, we would win. If I don't shoot, we'll lose, and their plan will go off a, without a hitch. If I shoot, it's all but guaranteed to destroy humanity, but it'd be our one chance to win. And he lifts up his pistol, and he takes aim. Xeno waxes Podex some more. Uh, the the future, the world. Why wouldn't we walk the same path? All the usual stuff. He's kind of content with the way things are going. And he says, when all is said and done, all of you are actually the greedy ones. Uh, Senku says, bye for now. It might be days, it might be years, but we'll meet again. See ya. And then Stanley is left kind of to think about what's going on. He thinks about the situation that they're in. And he's like, I could lose this game, but Zeno will be revived and science will go on. They'll want to use Zeno's experience when they're revived. My statue will be held hostage forever in exchange for his help. And he thinks about how he has apparently known Zeno for like a long time. Like they, there's a shot of them together as kids. And as he starts to be petrified, he removes his armor. And instead of shooting the gun, he lights one last cigarette and just thinks, not bad at all. You kids won this war. Uh, definitely not gay, though. It's not gay. It's definitely a, ve- a very platonic, doodly, I can't, I'll, I'll be happy that I'm still going to be a use to my friend kind of thing, you know? And uh, we briefly cut around to different parts of the world uh, as people are reacting to this new wave coming uh, Soyuz is there when he sees it coming and he says, thanks for your teachings, father. Uh, we, meanwhile, the village, uh, Jasper orders everyone to take defensive positions, uh, so that, you know, that no one will be in a vulnerable position when they get petrified. Uh, and, uh, everyone gets turned to stone except for, uh, I think chalk is his name, the dog. Yes. Um, and he sees everyone is petrified and he's upset. And then a random boar shows up and Cerberus and Pigberus have been reunited uh, in this new series. <laughs> <laughs> so they just kind of uh, run off together. Oh, this is the pig that they didn't kill. Yeah, that's right. Hunting before. Yeah. Uh, so they run off and we get this big two page spread of the earth with narration that says every human on earth was turned to stone that day. 
Z equals 193, our stone world. However, this time around, the stone statues knew that before long, or perhaps in the far future, a day would come when they'd be revived. Now then, time to start counting. And the last panel that we see, as time has passed, is seemingly Chalk and the Pig have grown up a little bit. So it's definitely been a couple of years, at least. Based off yeah. of the seasons, I would say so. Based off them, I mean, that means nothing. Dogs grow up super fast. So like, True. <laughs> But the but, idea is that it's, it's not been just a couple weeks. Yeah, so. it looks like we see two different ish, like times of snowfall, which yeah. seem, would in, seem to indicate at least a year and some change. Two years. Probably two years, I would guess. Right around there. Which does make you wonder why. Like, I wonder what the purpose. If know. everyone's turned to stone, what what development would happen in two years to necessitate a time skip? Uh, but and I guess, also, why do we need the uh, situation to change? Yeah, every, change? all the characters we know were frozen. Like, we haven't heard anybody get, like, avoided it. So, to us, everybody's experience, unless... We're going to find out Suiko was unfrozen and it's taking her time to figure out how to get everybody else or something like that. I Yeah. Um, so we will see. It's so weird that we've had these chapters back to back to back. And each time I'm like, is there going to be a break next week? And there hasn't been. And there still isn't. We're getting another <laughs> chapter next week. So uh, I guess we'll very shortly find out what the hell happened as a result of this. But this this time, like, I, I keep on expecting, like, OK, we'll skip forward. We'll skip score. We'll skip forward. Everyone is literally rock right yeah. now. We have no choice but to skip forward. Now, so. <laughs> All right, let's talk real quick about chapter 59 of Mashal Magic and Muscle, Mass Burned It, and the Magical Maestro. So the fight with Margaret and Mash is going to really kick off now. Uh, Margaret's taking it a little bit more seriously, starts using more advanced attacks. Mash decides, to, basically says it's like a fist of music, essentially. Mash tries to punch it, but he can't punch something that isn't physical, I guess, at this moment. So instead, the music just rips through him. And it explodes his ears. And Margaret's like, please, do you think he's a pot of tricks? A punch is enough to top one of my spells. Mash is like, huh? <laughs> What'd you say? <laughs> As blood is shooting out of his ears. Uh, continues to use this magic, uh, the sound magic attack. Mash tries to block it, but he, he can't really block it. The, this magic is actually a really good uh, attack against Mash because he can't just overpower it with physical you know, ability or anything like that. And Margaret's a little sad. He's like, ah, I shouldn't have expected to be let down, but still, so sad. You weren't the tartar sauce that I was seeking. And he activates one of his more powerful spells, although still not as seconded, uh, and uses the surround orchestra, and a bunch of, like, old-timey record players pop up to, like, shoot out a whole wave of sound in, like, a circle around MASH. And it looks as though he's completely done. Everyone's like, yeah, I guess that's, you know, all it is. Margaret really is a genius. Order seems satisfied. Even Gehenna's like, well, I guess he didn't even have to go all out to finish this. But Mash, he's not, there's no body there after the smoke clears. And Margaret's foot gets pulled into the ground until he's just, he's just <laughs> neck deep in the ground. Everyone's like, how did he get buried? And Mash crawls up out of the earth. And Margaret's like, you found a way to avoid my reverberations. And Finn, of course, has to explain this to everybody because everyone's I like, I saw wow. everything. <laughs> yeah. He's like, right before the spell hit, Mash dug himself into the ground and dug himself deep down so that the waves would, you know, uh, dissipate as they had to pass through matter. And he used it as a sound dampener. And then he got back up 
And now we're in a situation he is, and he says, quadriceps magic, guillotine kick, and he just kicks Margaret in the face as he's buried in the ground, and I don't know why, but that is the most savage move in my mind. It's like a Randy Orton punt that actually happens. Uh, and everyone's like, holy shit, he just took out Macaron in one blow. It's done. What a champ. Uh, but and he jumps on top of Margaret and then just starts gaddling, punching him over and over again. And they're like, huh. Gehenna adds, like, not at all. It might be just on an instinctual level, but Mash is aware he has to go all out here, basically. Uh, Margaret blasts him away using an attack and says, all right, I'll show you what I'm capable of. Sounds metamorphosis. And this is the true power of Margaret. So it looks like we're going to get a power upgrade next week. Yeah. There's a really cool shot of, like, all of the... uh staffs uh, and stuff uh, with musical notes on them emanating outward from him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was an awesome little fight scene. I am right there with you on Mash's kick. It's a very like Japanese wrestling thing. It's just like, I'm just going to freaking kick you really hard. <laughs> <sighs> All right. Ayakashi Triangle, chapter 41. This chapter was stupid. <laughs> uh it was stupid excuse for uh, titillation. Suzu Mat- Matsuri needs to get a sample of Suzu's Haku while she's asleep. And he needs to literally suck it out of her belly button for some reason. Somehow this winds up with Matsuri's nipple in Suzu's mouth. And Shiragai gets pissed at them and static shocks them. And it wakes Suzu up. And then she's like, I'm going to pretend to be asleep so that he'll have sex with me. Uh, and that's basically where the chapter ends. This whole thing was dumb. So, uh, guys, what's the recommendation going to be for next week? I am going to post a poll to Twitter right now because I'm going to leave it up to you guys for what series I catch up with. Chris, you don't even have to do anything. For this oh, fuck it's sweet. <laughs> Should I catch up on Jujutsu Kaisen or Undead Unluck? Chances are we may add one of those two to the recap after we talk about them. So I just posted it up on, on my Twitter, twitter.com slash N-I-K-F-T-I-M-E if you want to go and vote on it. Uh, because after two very dumb chapters of Ayakashi Triangle in a row and in general like a month and a half where it was just kind of stupid and not very fun to talk about... Uh, I'm thinking maybe we won't talk about it anymore. So <laughs> it's weird. This was like the only chapter in the past couple months I actually found amusing just because it was so shameless. It was so like, how do I, you know, fuck it. I just want the two of them to be 69ing in bed. And he found a reason for it to happen. <laughs> I don't know. I just don't find it. No, I, mean, like, I get it. I don't really find it, you know, worth talking about to be like, and there was a fan service. So that's 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 really what it comes down to. Like, if you got if you enjoy it, that's cool. I just don't. No, I mean, I don't enjoy that. I so. don't enjoy the series as a whole, if that's what you mean. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah. So, well, I mean, in general, like if people out there are like, oh, well, you know, and I'm like, I'm not kink shaming you. I'm not doing anything. It's just like I it's been very dumb lately. And I don't think that there has been the nice character stuff that we liked earlier on in the series for a while so it's disappointing but i don't really want to talk about it much right now so Mm -hmm. let's finish up on black clover because there is no one piece this week yes uh black clover page 290 
the highest versus the lowest. And this is actually another very quick chapter to kind of talk about because this is mostly Astra showing off how his other swords have now been improved with his devil union form. So last time he kind of knocked it away. This time he's like swallowed up the enemy in it and he's using the second sword and the third sword. I don't remember what they do. I don't really care because for the most part, they're all really just different ways for him to show off his swords while we get an introspective of Sabretooth talking about how, yeah, uh, you guys looked down at me the whole time. I was the weakest one. I never would have been a match for you. But now, because of you guys, you know, because of you, Asta, I can fight these guys at the highest level. Uh, the Supreme Devil, or whatever you'd want to call this fusion of the two devils, like, how can this guy attack me? This is insane. Uh, I'll escape you. I can see you're, you have a limiter on you. I just need to avoid you. And then once your thing ends, I'll kill you. Ah, I've gotten away from you. You'll die. I'll murder all of you. Uh, Nature Boy Flare shows up and says, I won't allow that, uses his magic to basically hold the devil in place just long enough for Asta to cut him straight in half, and uh, that's the victory. We get, uh, as they separate Asta and uh, Sabretooth doing like a, you know, buddy forearm bump in the air. Yeah, be very careful with that. You've got a sword in that hand, Asta. Yeah. <laughs> and it kills demons. Yeah. Um... Remember when Black Clover was um, building up its villains? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. So this was a squash match to show off Ass's abilities. Sure. And uh, it kind of took a long time to unfold, which is not how squash matches are supposed to go. So, yeah. it ha- It's it's done. We, we, Ass is a strong boy now. Ooh. Okay, so. It was fine. Whatever. It's, 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 it's Black Clover. It's whatever. So, okay. That's weekly manga <laughs> recap for this week. Favorite uh-huh. chapter, MVP. Boom. Uh, favorite chapter is going to be Mastral Magic and Muscles. I really, really like the chapter. And, um, oh goodness. Favorite character I think I'm going to give to Subaki is his name from Nine Balls Dragon Parade. Yes. I liked his, I liked him a lot this week. I am going to also give it to Mashal. I thought it was just a very effective uh, quick quick fight scene. Uh, and my character is going to actually be Stanley. Oh, Dr. actually, that's right. I, I did mean to do Stanley. Sorry, I changed mine to Stanley yeah. as well. That yeah. was a great it, scene. Yeah, it's it's a weird thing because like, it's him literally just kind of standing there not doing anything. But the fact that he doesn't do anything is actually really important. Like, he could have single-handedly, like ruined everything yeah but because of his friendship with, with <laughs> his Zeno, platonic friendship yeah, just dudes just, being dudes yeah. he decides that it's more worth it for Zeno to be able to come back than for him to win and that's really cool so it, it's a very beautiful thing of like i could do this and we could win but if i do it and it fails Zeno will essentially be paralyzed be you know petrified probably forever and everything ends yeah. And the idea that I care about this person too much to let that happen. It's a very sweet sentiment. And it kind of, you know, gives you a bit more insight on like, yeah, he was pursuing these guys literally all across the planet in order to get Zeno back. Uh-huh. And it's like, kind of lets you know, like, it wasn't for tactical reasons. He did actually care about this guy. So yeah. uh, the audience picked Nine Balls Dragon Parade as their, char- as their chapter of the week. And Kafka from uh, Kaiju Number 8 as the character of the week, which is another Both- really good one. Both good choices. Yes. Yeah. 
And yeah, Subaki, I would have definitely probably been my runner up uh, when you mentioned him before. I thought that that was a cool thing to have uh, the center of the uh, conflict going on. So, All right. That's going to do it there. Yeah. Weekly manga recap. We do it every Wednesday here on twitch.tv slash starting around 730-ish Eastern time in the evening. But stay updated on exactly when it's going to happen. You can follow us on Twitter. The aforementioned at Nick F. Time. Rolo T and the official podcast account is WMR Podcast. You can also join us on our Discord server where we have conversations, as Chris mentioned before, about various different manga, including the recommendations that we're talking about, the series that we cover each week. We've got a great community on there. There are weekly Among Us games on Saturday mornings that you can take part in as well. It's a great time. It's a great community that we have. We're, we're very happy with all you guys. Uh, NinjaX3i is a member of, the, of said community, maintains the Google Doc which uh, keeps track of all the statistics, the recommendations and stuff that we're doing. One of them will be added <laughs> shortly when you guys decide which one I've got to read. Uh, and uh, yeah, uh, we also want to thank uh, everyone who supports us on Patreon. You guys, your guys support a lot of great bonus content for you guys to enjoy. We are going to be recording something very shortly. Uh, we also uh, want to thank Steve Mander of Tire Cutters. You can check out his work wherever boobs are allowed to be drawn on the internet. And we also want to thank Winsleydale Cheddar and Milo Jack Stills for creating the opening sequence of Weekly Manga Recap, which you can see on our YouTube channel, where video versions of our episodes are now currently being uploaded. Yes. All right. That is going to do it for Weekly Manga Recap this week. We have nothing else to say as we need to get going. So we'll see you next time, everybody. Bye, all.